Hello and welcome to Radio Free Nintendo. It is December 5th, 2019, just barely. And I say that because this is my second attempt at recording an intro to this episode. Uh, So anything you hear after this point, if it sounds weird and disjointed, no, it's not just Radio Free Nintendo. Um, It's because my audio was screwed up for the first 10 or so minutes of the show and we had to kind of cut something together to make it work. But introductions are in order so first off mr guillaume vayette i'm sorry that's all right i thank you for not blaming it on me if anything sounds weird and disjointed (laughs) well actually it's bad editing yeah it was it was fine when we recorded i don't know what happened Hmm. um no no my audio i made an i made an audio boo-boo and didn't make sure things were looking right afterwards audio boo-boo okay no definitely the recording is going wrong but yeah, well, I mean, the recording always goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, also joined this week by Mr. Greg Leahy. Ahoy, ahoy, everyone. I, can't, I imagine Max von Sydow providing the voice of Audio Boo Boo in a gritty <laughs> reboot of Yogi Bear <laughs> radio dramas. Oh, and last but not least, returning to us from his three, four, five, six, I don't know, however long, however many year hiatus. Yeah, you know, I was... <laughs> You're interrupting me again. <laughs> Go ahead. This is the Go second ahead. time. No, no, no. Continue. Go ahead. Interrupt me, John. Oh, this I was is just saying. Do. This is uh, ironically enough. This is the second time we're recording. This is this is exactly how it unfolded the first time. I was just going to say that I am ending one streak, my Iron Man streak, of <laughs> of episodes not being attended. Of not attending episodes, and I'm starting another streak of attending episodes. So I seem to remember somebody mentioned it took a lot of resolve for you to. There's a lot of a lot of discipline. Uh, you know, it's like it it's it's tough staying away, but I I stuck with it, and you know I think I pushed through. So I like that when you are away and when you are here, ninety percent of the time <laughs> it is indistinguishable. It's amazing, amazing. I probably get. I, you probably talk to me more when I'm away than when I'm here, so. <laughs> <laughs> you do listen. Mm-hmm. We, we certainly do talk at you when yep. you're away. Uh, yep. Uh, so I would ask him how much of the show we listen to while he's gone. We already know the answer. It is zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't just know the answer because that's always the answer, but we've already had this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is weirdly gone largely in the same direction. <laughs> yes. Um, this is episode 651. Are you going to actually this- introduce me, though? You didn't actually introduce oh, me. Uh, yeah. mm. Hi, John Lindemann. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. Okay, good. It, I'm good. Please continue. Are you? Are we? Are, is any of this good? Is all of this bad? <laughs> Nothing. You it's want? pretty much gone awry at this point. Oh, good. just like the first time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Every, every time. Every time we start the show. <laughs> please, we're consistent. Uh, Guillaume, do you want us to keep going or do you want to stop this audio? And <laughs> Please stop. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, James, you sure forgot to record a part where you ask John about his new business. Okay. So, John, let me ask you, four days after we record this, what is your new business? All right. So, my new business. So, you know, I did some some traveling over the past couple of weeks, which is why I was was why I was absent. Um, and uh, over the last week or so, I, I picked up my um, I picked up my saved game in uh, Ori and the Blind Forest Definitive Edition. So I finished that off. I was probably about, I don't know, maybe about a quarter of the way through, and I powered through the rest of it. Um, took me about, I think my final time to beat it was like 15 hours and 45 minutes or something like that, and, and I 100%ed 
everything um, got... Well, if James were here right now, he'd probably say that sounds pretty short, John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty short. Um, but yeah, I really, I really do like that game. Um, and, you know, it does... See, the whole thing, you know, I have to watch how I talk about this because to, you know, I have to make sure that I don't just resort to ad hominem attacks on Guillaume for his slanderous <laughs> position. For his sla- for his, uh, for his slanderous position on this game. But yeah, so. You know, if you're really, if, if you're really gonna avoid doing that, then you avoid saying that you have to avoid doing that. That's, that's, that's like. <laughs> <laughs> if if you're actually gonna do, gonna do it for real, rather than the sort of uh, let me, you know, oh, I won't do this. You've just done it. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know I, that's the thing though. It's like I just you know I don't I don't want to I don't want to go at Kyom. Kyom's a nice guy. I mean you know it's come on. Am I? He's a little bit. Mis- <laughs> I might be a little bit of an uh, asshole. Uh, this is already going fantastically well. <laughs> um. As I said, John, if you actually want to avoid that, you just you don't mention mm. it. Mm. Don't. Yeah, so I felt like I had to add that disclaimer though, because <laughs> exactly. you know, I, you that's know. the part of your brain that wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, but you know, like that's the thing. Like I can see where Guillaume is coming from to a certain degree because the, the whole point of the game is you're kind of dealing with this whole sad sort of thing, and you're you're kind of you're rectifying it, right? So you kind of have to. The story cycle goes from sad to happy. Um, but, uh, <laughs> that's, I know that's deep, that is, so let that, that, that sink arc, in. ladies let, and gentlemen. <laughs> let that sink in. Let that sink in. Um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I really enjoy it. I mean, I actually, I'd, I'd kind of, uh, I'd forgotten about how many, how many different, um, kind of powers you gain over the course of the game. Like you have multiple ways of kind of holding onto walls, climbing walls, you can um, kind of like uh, ha- you have like a power jump off of walls to break Id- to break through you know uh, rock walls and, and stuff like that. There's a whole lot of stuff that you can do with your character by the end of it, um, and uh, just yeah, to me it's just, it's just an incredibly easy game to kind of get lost in. It never really loses me. Um, I just really enjoy it. I would implore Guillaume to give it another shot because I, I was oh thinking about this. I was thinking about this. Because I and my take on it is that I, I invested about 15 hours into this game. And I can guarantee you that Guillaume has invested more than 15 hours in another game and then come on this podcast and said the game is shitty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. There's no denying that. Yes. That, that, that absolutely happened repeatedly. Yeah. Yes. That is, that is, that is kind of my, my, final, my final thought on it. Um, hmm. But, yeah, I mean, definitely uh, are, are there – there's certain gripes. I mean, the, the gripe, yeah, for sure. I mean, the gripes that I would have are probably, um, I wish that there were more places to warp to. There's, there's really only, cause the map is fairly large and there's really only, there's like a single kind of warp point in this whole huge expansive map for any one section. There's about eight different sections or so. James is saying it may be short, but 15 hours for this kind of game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not Hollow Knight, but it's, it's quite big, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, so it suggests that you've got a pretty expansive map. Yeah, there's, there's a pretty big map. I don't think the, the that the definitive edition has any new parts of the map added to it. I could be wrong there, because I think there might be a couple of new areas. I'm not 100% sure. But the stuff in, in this one is, it's more kind of like, more lending itself to speed runs and, you know, stuff like, you know, you can watch all the all of the, uh, the different cutscenes and, and stuff like that, so... Um, but yeah, definitely if you're looking for a Metroidvania game, it's, it's, 
certainly worthwhile. And I think 15 hours is, it's a perfect length for this type of game. Like, I'm, you know, like it didn't overstay its, its welcome at all. Um, you know, you play it and, you know, after 15 hours, you're pretty much ready to move on. You know, you've kind of gone through, you've, you've powered up your character every single way that you can. There's three different kind of skill trees that you can power up. Um, once you find all of the, all of the ability cells that you use, the kind of currency that you use to power up your skill trees. Um, and it's, I mean, there's, and even that in and of itself is kind of a good way to sort of kill some time. Like on one of the, one of the flights I was on, I, I decided to just go around and get all of the life cells and, and kind of, uh, spirit cells that, you know, you can level up your skill tree with and that killed a couple of hours. And it was just a good way to, you know, a good way to just kill some time, you know, kind of still make progress in the game. But, you know, not necessarily move the plot forward or anything like that. So there's just a lot of stuff to do in it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm fairly interested in this. As you might imagine the genre appeals to me. Uh, the atmosphere appeals to me. I find uh, melancholy things relaxing. Yeah, you see, to, uh, Greg, Greg is... Gre- well, that, that's just because I'm a miserable uh, fuck. It's the same it's thing like, here. I'm fucking I, miserable. Happy things are great into me yeah, because I it's mean, like, you know, it's like somebody shouting in your ear when you need quiet, whereas miserable things are like, yep, you know the score. Um, yeah. But I've I've heard the 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 soundtrack on Spotify and all that's really good, so I've been I've been tracking it kind of. But it sounds like a good um, a good Switch version as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it runs really well. So I've been tracking this for a while. I think it's a pretty good Switch version from everything I've heard. Like yeah. that, it, yeah, they they've kind of uh, there's some kind of improvements in image quality and stuff that just go beyond performance and all that kind of thing. And it just strikes me as it would be more suitable as a portable game because yeah, yeah. you know it, I I have an Xbox. I could have played this for a while. I've considered it, but it just like I mean. 15 hours isn't that long, but it's kind of long enough that I've got my doubts about how expeditiously, expeditiously I'd work through it on, you know, on mm-hmm. Xbox. But also, it's like just like what you said with the use case that you had. You know, like I love doing that sort of thing in portable games of this type. Like you know, going and finding all the missile tanks and energy tanks in a Metroid game, or you know, analogous things in Castlevania's past and whatnot. Yeah. So, because I beat the original version on Xbox One. Um... And I got to say, I really enjoyed playing this as a portable game and going back. I, I finished, I did finish it off uh, just on the TV here once I got back home. Um, and it honestly kind of felt sort of weird. Like it was just, it was kind of like playing, like when you're playing, you know, a, a Game Boy game on a television or something like that. You know what I mean? Because hmm. it just feels, it just felt sort of weird. Um, playing it in that way just because I was so used to playing it as a portable game and it really does work well as a portable game and in terms of it being a good port I mean I've played it on both platforms I couldn't tell any difference at all Uh, there was no difference in performance there was no slowdown nothing so it's yeah I mean it's a a great port I mean I would have no I wouldn't hesitate to recommend it to anybody Um, just in terms I mean if somebody was you know trying to trying to, to you know judge between you know, buying it on you know Xbox and buying it on Switch, it I don't doesn't really matter. I mean, you can sign into Xbox Live and it uses all of the Xbox Live achievements. Um, so, like right now, like I did, that's one of the things I did look up. Like right now, if I bring up my Xbox app, it shows you know Ori in the Blind Forest on Switch, and it has you know 41 of the 57 achievements in the game unlocked on that. And then I have a separate Xbox version 
So, yeah, <laughs> works perfectly fine. So, yeah, definitely, definitely recommend it to anybody. Anybody who's interested, I mean, Greg, I think I'd be right up your alley and he'd probably tear through it. It's really, really good. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've got a few of those. Um, Bloodstained is another one that mm-hmm. um, is, I, I think we, we will be covering. Um, but that that has not been obviously the you know, minute uh, it came out. Uh, uh, to use that wonderful phrase that we once got asked about, day and date uh, with the other versions. Yeah. <laughs> but it mm-hmm. wasn't. Um, you know, it wasn't up to snuff day and date with the other versions. Uh, and Gilm's going to tell us about the quality of the patches or whatever that it's been through to this point uh, uh. later on. Sorry. This is disappointing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, so there's a few of these that I'm keeping my eye on. Uh but yeah, I mean Switch is just the pretty much the perfect place to play them, except for the lack of the lower screen map that DS provided. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, in yep. terms of um you know the, the quality of the screen and the quality of the visuals you can have now, that that's a big plus. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, and the other thing, I haven't been playing as much. I kind of just got sucked into Ori and the Blind Forest and decided to, you know, finish that off. But I did uh, pick up Pokemon Sword, and I've been playing through that a little bit. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I've gotten to Moto Stoke. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, um, I, I, I've um, advanced a great deal since we last spoke about this on the show. I've, I've sort of uh, just done the first three gyms, so yeah, mm-hmm. not, not, not a great deal. Just been sort of nibbling away at it. Is and, it, yeah. is it just like the low quality of the trees in the world that is just putting you off? Uh, or it's just, or it's just oh, ruining yeah. it for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. bad shadows I've heard. Or... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you immediately yep. just just press the power button, leave it. There. Don't even bother charging the switch for you know. You just yeah. think, to be honest, the whole, yeah, the mean, system w- could just go screw itself at this point. Yeah, I yeah. mean, what I tend to do is I tend to get a camera and I zoom in really, really, really close to the screen, <laughs> and then you know I find something I don't like and I just stop playing. Um, mm. So, and that's after hacking the game to make sure it looked as bad as it possibly could. Also, exactly. Yeah, you know, I've installed right, something right. that shows me the frame <laughs> now, rate. Now, so. now you're in. Now we we talked about slander earlier, or maybe we didn't. Maybe this gets cut. I don't know. We had a conversation about slander that may or may not end up in the episode. Uh, this is, I don't mind being slanderous because that stuff is just ridiculous. That whole that whole like <laughs> that whole thing is just ridiculous. People. Picking, I don't mind it being apart. slanderous. The John Lindemann story. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. Slander happens, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. No, it doesn't. But yeah, so... Um, no, but I mean, I, I would say the one thing, the, the one takeaway that I have from it, I mean, you know, it it follows all the same Pokemon tropes, and I haven't, I haven't encountered the whole, like, Dynamax thing yet or anything. Um, but the one thing I do like, though, is I like playing through what feels like a, a fully realized 3D world rather than kind of the, you know... This little, the slightly janky 3D world that was on the 3DS, like it just feels really good and feels finally like a, like a true, like real Pokemon RPG kind of thing with yeah, kind of a real, kind of, a real world that you're walking through. It's kind of a little split, isn't it? Because you get some areas around kind of towns and stuff where that some of the, the the way the camera angles work and and the design it, it does feel very much like a kind of HD Sun and Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, of course, you got the wild area where you know it's like free camera movement, free movement in general. So yep. it's it it does it still feels like it might be a little bit of a half step in terms mm-hmm. of where we're going to end up on Switch one day. You know, I mean, you think about how much 
the Pokemon games on DS changed from, yeah. you know, like Diamond and Pearl up to Black 2, White 2. You know, and, and this is Game Freak's first foray into, you know, a kind of HD platform and all that. Yeah, there'll probably be Pokemon games most years from here on out in the Switch's uh, lifespan. Um, you do get the feeling that, uh, you know, as well as the whole, you know, implementing more of a legacy Pokemon and all that, that they'll probably kind of, um, you know, maybe make it feel more unified rather than this kind of, you know, the wild area is this, like, sectored off thing from the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the more orthodox parts of the world. But it's still, yeah, it, it um, you know, it still does feel different from Sun and Moon, uh, just having that there. And of yeah. course, you know, it, it does look nicer. <laughs> of course it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, even if the models, uh, aren't like appreciably different or anything, just the way everything's presented is, uh, a bit sharper naturally with the HD element, but just a bit more, you know, it doesn't go for a full on like toon shaded kind of or anime look, but I don't know, the character designs pop a little more and everything seems, you know, I haven't got any real complaints about Pokemon, about the way the Pokemon look. And it's just, I don't know, Pokemon's never been a game series that I played for presentation. Mm-hmm. So it's just not that big of a deal to me, but I guess, you know, it is to, to some people. Yeah, and you know, I don't, I don't really mind having the kind of the town interactions being constrained because, in Pokemon, the towns have always just been very, uh, very functional anyways. Like, you know, you go to a town and either you're trying to you talk to somebody to advance the plot or you're really just going there to recharge your Pokemon or do something and then you're moving on to the next area. Like, oh, go go to this route or go, you know, go to this gym. Um, so I don't really mind that kind of like the towns just kind of retaining that sort of functional feel like with sort of a locked camera angle and, and, and stuff like that and then having it once you actually go out to the routes and once you actually, you know, go out into the wild areas, that kind of unlocks a bit more and you're kind of more in a free roam mode. I don't really mind that. It, it didn't feel, I didn't think it, it felt jarring to me. It kind of felt, and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe this is, like you said, kind of a throwback, like retaining the feel of the old games or the, you know, the kind of current feel. But yeah, I didn't well, feel like it was, I didn't feel so- like, I, like it was out of place. It's always very gradual with Pokemon, even, you know, even for someone like me who's played, you know, kind of skipped game. I think, was it, uh, yeah, Pearl and then uh, Soul Silver and then Moon and then this. So you're talking about three years or even six years between games. It still seems pretty gradual how yeah. they change things. And then they do leave some things behind. I mean, I know the Pokedex thing is new. But they've always kind of left some features behind that people liked. Um, I guess so far, the one thing I would say is something I kind of miss maybe a little bit, although I guess you have to play further to really kind of make a, a full assessment of the, the kind of the totem battles that you had in, in Sun and Moon were quite mm-hmm. neat because they were kind of a chance to kind of craft almost like more conventional RPG boss battles out of pokemon you know rather than it just be okay every single battle you have is either with a a wild pokemon or with um you know a, a kind of uh, a trainer who's wielding one and it's all supposed to kind of balance out right the totem battles kind of could manufacture like something off the scale that was kind of specifically balanced for a particular part in the trip through the kind of story 
that there is. I mean, I guess you know some of the kind of Dynamaxing stuff maybe could substitute for this with like the raids and whatnot, but uh, mm-hmm. I've not really got into that enough to know yet. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, I'm just in the because really I've just gotten to the first wild area where you can even do that. So, but uh, but yep, yeah, I'm gonna keep uh, keep plugging away now that Ori's done. I'm gonna you know keep plugging away at that. So, looking forward well, to and it. who do you pick? I picked Sobble, but I kind of, I don't know, everybody picks Sobble, so I kind of feel like Yeah, I'd I pick Sobble as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know, I feel like, I, I don't know, I kind of feel like I played myself because I could have, like, there's, you know, <laughs> I, ta- I talked to a, I talked to, the, t- talked to this other buddy, buddy of mine, and he didn't realize I had Pokemon, he's like, hey, well, who'd you pick? Sobble. He's like, everybody has picked Sobble, would somebody please just pick Charbunny so I can trade with them? Because everybody in Sword, that has Sword, picks Sobble, so... Yeah, he's not yeah, was, it's a, yeah. score bunny, score bunny, and, uh, yeah. and and group. That's team. how much he matters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares about that bunny? But yeah, you're just saying you're a biter. Then is what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, um, I guess I'll go next. Um, so I, I, because there's a little bit of, of parallel here. I bought the Grandia collection which I had some kind of public, like, should I buy this or not? And I got, like, four yeses and two noes, which is always the worst, because you get noes from, like, Seren, it's like, oh, shit. Right. Yeah. And, and so sh- then, then it was, that led to a conversation of, okay, why no? Um, why it, no for me? Yeah. Uh, is it because the ports are trash, supposedly? Uh, well, the port the port does does have some issues. Um, her her point was she was very very much tailoring that for where she felt I was at this I, point. I thought that was a very funny comment. Where you are in your gaming life, and I'm like, what? Like, yes. So I asked for more details, and, and her explanation was like, I don't think that she, I think you'd recognize the game is 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 ultimately fine. Um, but that's where you would put the line on it, and that would you you would kind of feel like, God, do I really want to play anymore? Do I want to get this thing to the end? Mm-hmm. Um. So to to that point, um, I've been playing the first grand. So I, I, my history with the Grandia series is largely from the outside in. You know, I, I it wasn't marketed super hard, um, but this was in that weird age where JRPGs were getting a lot of additional, a lot more push than it did historically. Um, largely in response to things like Final Fantasy VII blowing up. Although I'm not sure the timing for this one in particular works. Um, but those games were uh, being appreciated as as something you could sell in the U.S. Um, so, like, they would actually get commercials and budgets. Um, and this game uh, was, I don't think the first Grandia did, but the second Grandia definitely, and Grandia 3 definitely got more. 3? Was it Grandia 3? Yeah, I think it was 3. Uh, definitely got more push. Um in the in sort of the market space, so I I remember these games coming out, and I remember wishing I could play them, but I didn't have a system to play them on, because uh, they just kind of looked fun, you know. They they they're very much um, speak to a specific era of of both. Uh, I mean, anime it still happens; it's still kind of a, a constant in in that. But it's 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 an era where JRPGs felt very shonen anime. Which is to say, they're very much about like this boy's going on an adventure, and it's not necessarily about like the fate of the world is in peril. 
Um, it's not it's not trying to be dark or grim or or anything like that. It's literally just a like I'm gonna go have an adventure and we're gonna have fun with my friends. Um, and and so in the conversation I had with Saran, I'm like I had this really strong urge for something like Skies of Arcadia, uh, for something that gave me those same feels. And I don't know why. I'm not sure why that came on. It's been about if I had to guess, probably close to a decade since I played Skies of Arcadia. Um, but I played it like five times. I really like that game. And it's not a short game. Playing that game like five times is, mm. an, is, an, is an outrageous number of hours. Um, yeah, but I mean, sometimes you just, you haven't played a game like that in a while and you're like, wow, I kind of, I kind of miss that, you know? Yeah, I want a yeah. game like that. I want a game of that tone. Cause that, that game's cast is a bunch of idiots and yeah. it's, it's mostly funny. Um, it has its, it has its, its plot and there, there are bad, there are bad guys. Uh, there is a there is a conspiracy to be dealt with, um, but your crew is mostly happy go lucky idiots, uh, and they they largely get by on on uh, their stick to itiveness, um, their stupidity, and what what I have heard referred to as brute smarts. Well, they're not <laughs> actually that smart, but they'll just keep trying until they get through it. Um, and I kind of wanted that, you know. I wanted, I wanted a, a game that sort of hit those same emotional notes. And Grandia seemed to be there. And so far, playing Grandia one, it's 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 obviously much older than Skies of Arcadia. It's probably four or five years older, if not more. Um, it's definitely there. Like you definitely get that that weird sense. I mean, here's here's a good example. So I'm on disc. What is disc two of Grandia? Um, at this point, so that's like I'm about 17 hours in. Um, so disc two doesn't really make a ton of sense in this context, obviously, because I'm playing it on a collection digitally. Right. It doesn't tell you, right? I hope. It no, doesn't uh, tell you. no. There, there's a there is a point where it's very obviously like it's hit it's hit a climax, mm. and our party is is shifts dramatically. Like we've we've hit this, like the entire first disc is about getting to this place. And like, there's a very clear like ending point where they literally sail off into the sunset. Um, and then essentially a second arc starts up on at that break point. And I looked it up. I'm like, I bet that was the disc change point. And I looked it up, and sure enough, that was the disc change point. Um, it was very obvious. So, um, I I'm I'm a little bit past that point now. So like, I'm probably two or three hours in what is effectively disc two. Um, I'm definitely putting less time into it than when I first started playing it, but I was playing it over the Thanksgiving weekend, and it's it's a real in handheld mode. It's a really good game to just kind of idly play because a lot of the time you're just kind of walking and fighting, and you know just essentially doing these these um you know going from place to place because this game is actually really linear, uh, much more so than most JRPGs. So you. A lot of times you can't travel outside of the zone you're in, like the story zone. So right now, I can only go to two places. We just got off a boat. Um, that was the start of, of Disc 2. And we're dumped in the forest, and we wandered through the forest for a while, which is a maze. This game loves mazes, and there's no mini-map. There are occasional spots where you can get a zoomed-out view of where you are to contextualize it, and it's not much zoomed out. It's like three screens worth of zoomed out. Um, which isn't very much, to say the least. 
Um, and so you get to see a little bit. You get to see get a little bit of a view, but not a huge view of the game world. And you, you essentially, there have been these mazes are really complicated sometimes and really frustrating. And I've absolutely gone online and just looked up the maze so I could see what the fuck it looks like. So I can not get lost because a lot of the the assets to make the the dungeon areas or the forests or the the mountain or whatever whatever the area they're all dungeons whatever area it is a lot of times they're um mostly comprised of assets that are just sort of a- arranged in a maze reused over and over again so it's really easy to get lost yeah it sounds like Bard's Tale which is exactly that's the whole thing that's why I'm glad they ha- they added a mini map because everything looks the same in those in, in those mazes man everything but the so, thing is, with with the maze in this, it would it if with the mini maps would actually make it really easy. So yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I I died for the first time in what is the last boss of the of disc one, uh, which is like a weird little side story to the main story. Um, that was the first time I died in the game. The end of disc one mm-hmm. of a two disc game. Like it's it's really easy. Like how many hours was that in? Like twenty thirty hours. That, that was like sixteen hours in. Yeah. Yep. So like, it's a really easy game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the mazes are basically how they they for because you can only heal at. I mean, you can get healing items, but they're not that common. Um, you really only heal at the save points, and they don't give you a ton of save points. So it's it's that stress of like, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna run out of health. And I'm gonna run out of magic to heal, and I'm gonna die. I don't have enough items because there's a limited item space, and my items full of shit I've picked up in this stupid forest. Um, and I can't get rid of it till I get to town and sell it, or I can just dump it, but I don't want to just dump it. I want to have it. Um, so there's a lot of that. Um, but I, I, I've really just kind of had fun with this. Is this game good? No, no, it's got, it's got some challenges when it came out. It was probably pretty good, like mm-hmm. conceptual, like at the time, you know, as a fully 3d world, um, which is, which was fairly new at this point. Like yeah, I mean, I remember getting pretty good reviews, right? I think it was well reviewed yeah, when it I'm came sure out. I'm sure it did. Um, because it came out on the Saturn originally, and so of course, probably on the Saturn, there weren't many RPGs. So I, yeah, not 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 really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very. I, I'm trying to think what the best word for it. It's very cute. Like it, it consistently, um will do things to remind you that this game's not that serious. Would you would you uh, say it's kind of like in tone it's sort of like Wild Arms or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I would yeah. say it's 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 even less it's even less concerned with being serious than Wild Arms. Yeah. I mean, legitimately, I'm in disc 2 at this point. There is an empire that's vaguely bad. Mm-hmm. Like that like that's the best word I can use to describe them. They are vaguely bad. They are looking for something, and we're, they're kind of looking for something in the same general area we are. Um, they uh, have fought us a couple times, but mostly just because we're trespassing. Mm-hmm. And um, the worst thing they've done, at, near as I can deduce, is they, uh, in, in the ruins of a temple, they knock down the wall because they got bored of trying to find a way in. Yeah, Like, like the bad guys, um, the, the, the two... The big bad we haven't dealt with yet. We only we've only ever seen him in video. But um, like the number one lieutenant and his number one lieutenant, we just had an extended sequence where we were hanging out with them. And like they 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 don't both. It's like the, our party got split in half, and one half went with one of them, and one half went with the other, and they both came back. They're not that bad. And I'm like, these are our bad guys. Game. 
Get it together. I need more cartoonish evil, please. Mm-hmm. They're like they're just like largely more than more than anything. They're just kind of annoying. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just I really wanted a game that sort of hit me there in that in that specific period where like this is probably like ninety. I uh, guess what ninety five or so. It came out in ninety seven. Uh, no, it was its first 90- release. Uh, that's a little bit later than I thought it did. Yeah, it came out uh, in ninety seven but- on the Saturn, and then I guess in ninety nine they released it for the. The PSX. Holy shit, that's late. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like that—that's the kind of like tone it's going for. You know, the the three main characters on the box. Um, you 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 lose one of them at one point. Um, but she, like your your main character is essentially he's the son of an adventurer. He wants to become an adventurer. Okay, you've got your you've got your shown tropes right there. Um, they just casually drop that his mother met his father because she was a pirate and kidnapped him. And then they just don't even talk about it after that. She runs She runs a restaurant now. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, and everybody in town's like, yeah, she used to be a pirate. It's fine. And it's like, what? Um, he is he's primarily known for um, getting into trouble and breaking things. And he just justifies that as being an adventurer. And he gets a lot of boys will be boys. And that's the end of his punishments. Uh, and then this, uh, the second party member you get is his best friend, who's a number of years younger than her, or than him, and she basically is his conscience, and just keeps telling him to stop being an idiot. And that's the like that's the plot for six hours, him doing something stupid and her saying stop being an idiot, and then him going no, it's an adventure, and then she goes well, I guess it is an adventure, and then they go do something else stupid, and I kind of needed that. Like it's there's a. That tone just doesn't happen that much in JRPGs these days. And I don't know why. I don't entirely know why. Um, But there was a period, and I would guess it was like PlayStation era, maybe even into the late PlayStation, or the uh, early PlayStation 2 era, where that kind of game happened a lot. Where where you had a bunch of these, these, like Skies of Arcadia definitely falls in there. I think you're right that Wild Arms is in there. Mm -hmm. Um... There was another. There's another series that had a few games that was kind of in that same. I, I would even argue that uh, early, the early stuff for Batan Kaitos is there, but by late game, it's gone full like grim dark drama. Mm-hmm. Um, you might you might think the Tales games were there, but Tales of Symphonia is a game about genocide. So no, that state that game does not does not qualify. Um. But it it at least has like the the tone. The characters are cartoony. They're comedic. They're goofy. Lunar, maybe. Uh, Lun, yes. Oh, absolutely. Lunar is definitely there. Yeah. Um, and you still see a ton of those, and I I like it. I like the fact that my characters are idiots. Um, I posted some video of the game because it, it does support the the video capture function on Switch. Uh, the voice acting of the dub is atrocious. It is so unimaginably terrible and so uh the fina who is who is a famous adventurer she's she's a teenage girl and our hero are now on their own at this point in the game so his his little ward has i don't know she's probably more the guardian than he is although she's much younger has left the party which i'm going to miss it because she had a healing spell where she dressed up as a cheerleader and cheered for the party and that healed them somehow i don't know it was adorable um they're on their own and they have their, you know, this is the part where it pivots because it's, it's one of these coming of age stories. So he's going to, ha- they're going to have their little romance scene 
and she's so bad in it that I just started laughing because it's 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 so terrible. But at the same time, it it's it's part of what I wanted. You like, know, like why is it so bad? Is it the the, the lines are so wooden or, or the what? delivery is the delivery is just just awful, awful. Yeah, and, I remember. I don't I don't know if it's it might it might have been Wild Arms, but some of them it just sounds like. It's just like you picture somebody walking up to a microphone and tapping it to see if it's on, and then like reading their lines. Like, I think that's Without a context. great like, like exactly. I think that's a great idea. And yes, ba- and then backing away from the microphone, and you're just like, <laughs> "What was that? What kind of delivery was that? You're not even part of a scene. You're just reading it. Like, they're, it's like they're literally reading just like a single line." Yes, that's and, it. And so. Th- this is a scene where she is trying to not be coy anymore about the fact she's interested in our hero, mm-hmm. and he's being and he's being dumb idiot boy because again, that's what this 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 specific era demanded of him. Um, and she is she is she's supposed to be upset with him, but also kind of like in in the mood to be you know emotionally available, mm-hmm. and she sounds almost no different than what she does when. 20 seconds later he is he sees a mermaid and is instantly in love and it's like her tone doesn't shift at all yeah even though she's supposed to be mad now it's like justin why did you do that and it's like oh oh yeah (laughs) yeah oh sweetheart you need to re-record that line please yeah it's it's like he's got at least like the irascible part down Mm -hmm. like he's he sounds like a big dumb a, a big dumb idiot which is great it's perfect it's what i want um, she's a mess. It's awesome. I love it. Like it, it's it's part of that era, and it's part of what I wanted. Like if they had gone and re-recorded the voice acting, I think I mean it would have been a better game. Yeah, but, but it wouldn't. It would have stood out. There's something about that voice acting where it's like it ca- kind of captures the spirit of that time period. You know, it's like yeah, it's like it's like it's Symphony the of the charm. Night. Exactly. Part of the appeal of Symphony of the Night is the fact that the voice acting is so bad. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I've, I've enjoyed my time with it. It's a great like thing to ha- play while I've got something else going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I put a t- I put a ton of time in it over the weekend. Um, I, I don't. It it definitely when you go through these dungeons, it sucks. Um, uh, because not only is it, it's not overhead; it's three quarters angle. Um, but you can turn the camera because it's three D, and you can do that in towns too, which is kind of neat. Um. But that means that, like, you can really get fucking lost. Because when you come out of a battle, who knows what camera angle you're going to be faced on. Good luck. W- what direction were you? Go- I mean, it's easy enough in a JRPG to get lost coming out of a battle. Mm-hmm. Get disoriented. If the world can rotate directions and the game might just do it to you. Oh, oh good luck. You're going to have a good <laughs> time with this. There is a compass. It is very difficult to comprehend. So... It's north is always highlighted. Fine. There's a there's an arrow, and it always took me a while to figure out what that is. It's pointed at your objective, but since you're in a maze, knowing the objective is broadly speaking in that direction, it's not super helpful, or in fact ever helpful really. Um. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff where it's just like, why did you do this? Why did you make it this way? What's wrong with you? Um. In towns, that can be really disorienting too. When you're trying to find a thing in town, because again, there's no mini. You could there is actually a map in town you can open up, but nothing's labeled on it, so it's just dots to show where buildings are. It's like, well, that doesn't help either. Thanks. Um, I don't know. I, I I think this game's charm has has 
worked really well. The combat system is kind of interesting because the combat system takes place in a in an environment and characters run around, so they have to establish position. Um, and a lot of the boss fights uh, so far have had position as a major component. Um, but you, you know, you, when you hit someone, it stuns them so you, they can lose the ability to move. It's got uh, essentially a gauge at the bottom where every character's move, where like when they get to the end of the gauge, it's their move. Um, but all the characters are moving at the same time, so it's not turn-based. Uh, and you can do stuff by like picking the right targets and trying to manage position in such a way that you never actually get attacked. Potentially. Like, obviously, it's not always achievable. Um, but you can use positioning to also try to avoid enemy attacks. Um, it's... Like, there, there's definitely parts of this game that are unique and clever, and I really appreciate them. Um, all the bosses have parts you can knock off where they have special attacks. So, there, I just did a fight where he had a beam on one of, it was a giant plant thing. And he had a beam that he would fire off one of his flowers. And he kept missing because I had, everybody was positioned to the other side of him, attacking the appendage that could heal. So, like, I was using positioning inadvertently, but I was using it to avoid that attack. And then I essentially disabled everything he had. Um, mostly because everybody was, was, I was trying to level up the spell skills because each individual spell is leveled up through usage and you get them by trading in these gems you find. So, like, I wanted to level up everybody's fire spell, everybody who had it. So I just had them spamming fire from a distance. And as a consequence, he couldn't hit them because I guess that boss fight assumed you were going to run on them and attack with swords. So, it was fun. I had a good time with. I'm having a good time with it. I, I don't know that I'm gonna finish it. I might. Um, I'm definitely not gonna go right into Grandia two. Um, but I, I'm I'm very eager to see where the series went from this game because for a first go, like this is a game arts game. Like I don't really usually have high expectation for a game arts game. Not, not that I'm saying anything about game arts in particular. It's just you know, you don't usually think of them as like top of the heap. In terms of you know developing their own content, um, they've made a lot of stuff over the years. They made a lot of stuff for other people. They did make Lunar, by the way, John. So you're uh, it's yeah, a good, that was a good pull there. Yep. Um, but they, you know, it's it. They're not they're not like top of mind for me in that in that world. So I'm I'm interested to see where Grandia Two is a Dreamcast game and Grandia Three is a PS2 game, which by the way, they put out three games in the series and did manage to miss the same system for all of them. It is amazing. That is an that is an accomplishment. Um so yeah, I'm I'm you know, I want to see what, what this game looks like. You know, I want to see what where they went with two. I'm kinda bummed that three's not on the collection, I guess because it, they have they never released it. It was there was like not like a PC version of it that it was at ugh, there's not a PC version that existed. Um, hopefully we get one because that would be cool to be able to actually have all three of them together. Um, but yeah, I'm having a good time. I'll uh, I'll keep probably keep at it for a while. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've got on that on that front. Um, Guillaume, yeah, what are you up to? Oh, not much. You? Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm recording a, recording a podcast. Great if podcast, only, guys. If, if only week. just giving us some uh, indication of what he'd been up to. Yeah. Uh, so I. Um, yeah. So I, I'm uh, again a little bit uh, spread out this week, uh, and um, I, I've tried a few things. So when uh, Soren was on this show, she mentioned the uh, new Super Lucky's Tale demo 
Uh, and so I gave that a shot, and uh, she wasn't lying. There is a demo on the eShop, and uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, Why did you think she was lying a weird about thing that? To no. lie about. Of all yeah, the things I, to fact check in today's yes. world, confirm. Demo trust, trust but verify, guys. Trust but verify. <laughs> uh, but she said it would have been funnier if you came up and said, "There's no demo." What the fuck, Saren? Uh, it, it, it's funny because. Um, Oh, I should have checked this before, but there was someone on my uh, Twitter feed. Anyway, like so, Soren said that the, uh, the 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 game on the Xbox was kind of bad, and that the uh, Switch game actually fixes a lot of stuff just by virtue of having a uh, a camera that you can control and um, like fixing a lot of things that were just irritants in the, the previous versions of that game, and uh, I kind of saw that play out almost like in real time on my Twitter feed because I saw someone who had gotten the uh, original version on the uh, on Game Pass, you know, and seemed to be hate playing it, which is an absurd <laughs> thing that you shouldn't do. And I, I definitely never do personally. Uh, but yeah, like just was like, well, he was like, well, I've, I'm like 70% through this game and I, I feel like I need to finish it. You know, I just got to for some reason, uh, and yeah, like, didn't like it, and I, I, I told him, like, you should, um, like, I've heard good things about the Switch version. You should play it all over again. It was kind of immediate, like, once he actually finished the Xbox One version, went and checked out the demo for, for the Switch, and was like, oh, this is, like, a totally different game. So, uh, it's kind of interesting that, uh, I don't know, that you could fix uh, a game to that point where... People actually, you know, hate it, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, actually, I don't know. It's interesting. So uh, well, good I mean, for. I I I would need to be able to compare them, obviously, apples to apples, and see what they look like. Um, right. But I wonder if it's if it's like not even the same game as a consequence. Like, how much did they reuse? Right. Well, they 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 just had apparently a lot of bad decisions. Like one of the um, goals, you know, because you don't just finish a level in a 3D platformer. Obviously, you have to collect doodads and stuff. And one of the things was that you had to collect like 300 coins per level. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot, but they they they've got like dimes and stuff. It's not actually like Super Mario oh, coins okay. where it's one by one. Yeah. So uh, and like in the original. Like, when you killed an enemy, you had coins, but they bounced around a lot, and then they almost immediately disappeared, apparently. Um, so you had to kind of scramble and, and get them before they disappeared or fell off or whatever it is. And so that was frustrating. And in this version, they just, uh, like, when they you, you get the coins no matter what. Like, you kill the enemy, you got the coins. You don't have to go grab them, which obviously is kind of a, a big, significant change. It, it makes the game oh, yeah. easier, but also... It makes it easier, but it also makes it much less frustrating. Like there was no and reason fl- for flow better. I think is what Seren said, and and that makes mm. plenty of sense to me. Yeah, but the, yeah, you know, I, if, if you, every time just... you kill an enemy, you feel this obligation to mop up almost literally, but but like there's an urgency to it. It kind of yeah, it's it's like it's it's kind of pestering you. But at the same time, it's bogging down the overall experience. So, yeah, it seems like right. a, 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 a kind of a pretty safe choice to do away with that. And, yeah, I, I played this demo. I thought it seemed uh, seemed pretty nice. Yeah, like I, I don't love, love 3D platformers, so I'm probably going to skip it. But it just, uh, yeah, it's as Soren said, like it has a nice rhythm to it. The controls are nice. The... Um, like you, your your character is kind of fast and and um, 
controls like turns on a dime and uh yeah it's a, it seems to be pretty fun to control the the character which is kind of like half the battle in the 3d platformer um so yeah so it's pretty good i've also gone back to bloodstained to check out the first of the two big patches that are supposed to fix everything that was wrong with the the switch version with of the that world, game with the world so that's what i heard they yeah all, all the problems Every, everything you've ever found irritating, dripping taps, anything. Mm. Yes. <laughs> <Go on. laughs> uh, so, so, uh, and yeah, so it's the first one of two, so it doesn't fix everything, uh, but it does fix the quote unquote graphics. Like there was a. See, the, I mean, I, I was going to ask uh, where does the lag fit into this? Because that seemed to me to be probably the most. Um, irksome issue. Right. So, uh, the, the, the game originally, when I first played it, kind of made me go like, a little bit because it, it was not a nice looking game. So it fixes that. Like, I did not have that kind of, uh, disgusted <laughs> reaction when I played it with a new patch. And also, yes, uh, the, the, the control, the input lag seems to be almost gone i'm i'm kind of iffy like i i I can't tell because maybe it's maybe it's because i of the the weapon that i chose to use for a major part of the game it was kind of slow it had kind of a big wind up yeah i mean i've seen enough of the game that it does have that kind of you know a typical kind of igarashi type of scenario where you've got a wide array of potential weapons and yet some of them do have a naturally big wind up so it's not like you're gonna have really twitchy kind of combat if you choose one of those weapons but i guess the biggest thing would be the jumping and the dodging yeah yeah the jumping is uh, felt better kind of immediately and once i switched weapons also i realized like okay like the the character attacks when i actually uh press the button which is the point of playing a video <laughs> game like this so it's, it's good that it's not failing was it really anymore. that bad yeah. can we get a mission accomplished banner somewhere for that <laughs> yeah no but i mean like as i said last uh the the first time they talked about this like the uh, sometimes, like, I, I would press the button and then she would unleash the bats, like, after, yeah, like a second after I had pressed the button. Oh. And, like, well, at this point, it's too late. I'm sorry, but the, <laughs> the attack is not going to hit. And also, you're dead. Um, so, uh, load up to the last save point. But, um, so yeah, so that's mostly fixed. The thing that really irks me that is not fixed yet is bad collision detection. And it's weird because I, 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 I don't want to throw under the bus the reviewer for NWR, but like the, uh, I don't remember reading about bad collision detection in that review. And apparently in other versions of the game, I haven't seen those complaints either. So it seems to be switch specific, but I can't imagine that it's me specific. Like, hopefully I don't have like, is it on that list of things that they put out? Um, I wonder, I haven't checked, but, uh, yeah, like I, I wonder, but I it's something I've noticed and maybe I don't know, maybe it's just because of the specific way that I tend to play Castlevania games. Um because the the characters usually are not so nimble. Uh but one of the tricks that I've developed uh, playing Castlevania games is that you're way more mobile when you're in the air usually. Like you you start swinging your weapon and you you start jumping. It allows you to get away from uh, the enemy attack uh, faster, 
without completely finishing your your uh, you know the swing of your sword or whatever it is uh, and kind of inversely also like it kind of allows you to get closer to the enemy while having started your your swinging animation and so I don't know I'm always kind of jumping and 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 slashing in this type of game and yeah, that, uh, I that, kind of that, wonder that would make you um, apt for one of these Smash Brothers players that's always doing the Falcon Punch in midair so it's perfectly timed mm. so that when he lands it pops off uh, you know so because some of these Smash Brothers moves have these huge wind ups so you can think well how are you ever going to catch people out with that um, especially right. one on one but it, a lot of it is essentially using the wind up in the air um, so it's the same principle, but, but just applied in Castlevania, I guess. Yeah, but I, I'm kind of surprised that not everyone plays this way. But uh, anyway, that's the way I play. And... I, I, I'm very, I'm very like on the ground, kind of get a few hits in, then use that backdash uh, oh, sort okay. of thing. And so it's like hit, hit, retreat, hit, hit, retreat. You know, you can't always do that because it depends. How much real estate you got to work with, but that that's my default mm. um, sort of play style. Mm. So yeah, so it's not really working out in this game because sometimes the the attack will just go through. But I, I feel like uh, even if it's just because I'm not playing in the way that the game expects, like I, I still feel like when my sword goes through the samurai guy, the nut Belmont, um, it should hit him. You know, it should do some damage. It should not just. Uh, not connect at all. So, I don't know, it doesn't feel great. And I'm kind of, uh, because of that, I'm kind of um, colder on the game than I was uh, originally. But hopefully, uh, this is actually an issue that they've discovered and that they're working on and that they're fixing. And uh, fingers crossed that with the next patch, it's going to be gone and that uh, it will feel better uh, playing Bloodstained. But, um, I mean, already, like with the first patch, I... I there are definitely like you, you can see the improvements. They're um, blatant um, in terms of the input lag and the, the graphical quality. So that's a, a good start. But I'm, I'm glad that they're not stopping there. And uh, lastly, uh, it's not something that I've been playing myself, but uh, Karen has started playing the Link's Awakening remake. Mm. And oh my god, that game is adorable. It's incredible. Like I. Ah, she just got the uh, Pegasus boots and the tap tap tapping when you like he winds up to to you know uh, to yeah. when he charges before, up basically to start he explodes. Yeah. Right, um, it, it's just uh, adorable. Um, the, the yeah, so I, I'm very impressed. Like the the way that they've interpreted the original Game Boy graphics is kind of impressive because there, there was nothing there, right? Like, it was always the same dresser in every right. house. All the houses looked the same. It was always the same bed and everything, but they went and kind of, like, added uh, decorations that kind of fit each character in each of the houses. Um, so they, they kind of went above and beyond just like, uh, okay, so they use this type of tile in the original game. So we're going to create this HD tile here and that's what we're going to keep using. Uh, no, it's, it's a much more like there's way more effort that went into, uh, making like, a, a yeah, the, the, this game's a world. So I, I appreciated that. I appreciate that. Um, but I'm still kind of not, um, I'm not like I'm not tempted at all to play it because, you know, even though they they might have you know aesthetically 
improve the game a lot. Uh, it's still mostly the same tiles. It's still mostly the same game. I can still tell Karen, like, um, you know, while you're looking for this thing, it's, it's over there, you know? Um, and, and I, I just, uh, it's kind of as if, um, I don't know, like, I, I think I kind of gutted out of my system, uh, Link's Awakening in general, you know, like I played <laughs> it a ton when I was, when I was a kid and I revisited it when it came uh, out on the, uh, the virtual console and now I'm good. It's like, uh, you know, like there was a period of my life where I, I kept uh, watching like Raiders of the Lost Ark and I could recite almost a dialogue, maybe not by <laughs> heart, but before the characters said it. Uh, <laughs> Anticipate. <and> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know, like I couldn't put on a, 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 a production at school of Raiders of the Lost Ark <laughs> by memory, but I... And you call yourself a fan. It, it would refresh my memory as I watched it. Watched it, right? So, yeah. Uh, but at this point, I, I I'm probably fine never watching it again. And it, I, it's, it's probably what's happening in this case, like, or maybe like in I don't know, maybe in a decade I'll be ready to give this this remake a try. But uh, right now I'm just con- content um, watching Karen play. One thing I've noticed though is that uh, with the HD graphics, with the improved graphics, and the the, the the added details, uh, it kind of obscures, um, so some of the secrets or some of the routes that used to be obvious are now less obvious, which I, I feel is kind of weird because this is, um, Karen's first 2D Zelda game. And, um, there's a lot of things that just don't come naturally to her, like that she hasn't learned. And, um, there's uh it's not helped by the fact that sometimes like the the bottom wall in a dungeon um is, is kind of uh not all that visible sometimes and that leads to situations where there's sometimes no wall like you're supposed to go down right but uh then she doesn't see that there's not one and so she doesn't think of going there like there was like this one section where uh she immediately saw like oh like she noticed the cracks on the wall and so she she bombed the wall and i was like oh good eye and she went and she got like a secret seashell and then she came back and she she was going to go back to the door that she came in i was like wait wait no like actually at the bottom there there's no wall like you can go there and she was like oh thanks i i I never would have noticed um, and, and, and which I seeing, feel is kind of a problem. I notice sometimes just identifying cracks in that lower wall is harder than it is oh, yeah. in the upper one because because well of the that. angle seems to be yeah the angle seems to be different like you you just don't see um, the the bottom wall that much and you seem to see it from like higher less you know less from an angle so I don't know like it, it's kind of weird like a. As I said, like this, this would be like someone's first Zelda games, and they they didn't go that, they didn't go and um, add that many hints for the more kind of obscure or um, some of the more um, obtuse puzzles, I guess. It's yeah. funny, like one 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 of the examples that I can give is in the Richard's castle uh, because he's French, so I'm going to pronounce it that way. Um, so. Richard tells you, like, get me my, my five, uh, you know, golden leaves. So there's like the, the, the final boss of his castle is behind this door. And it's the first door that you open where you open it by throwing a pot at it. 
And it used to be that you just had to figure that out by yourself in the Game Boy version. In the remake, there's actually kind of this drawing of a pot on the door. Yeah. But it's kind of a little bit subtle. Uh, but I, I, I noticed the pot on the door because I knew to look for it. I knew what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. And Karen was like, oh, what the hell? Like, wh- what is it with this door? And I said, oh, well, look at the door. Do you see something? And she was like, oh. And then she goes into the inventory and she grabs like the magic powder. And I'm like, um, <laughs> no. Because of the bag shape. Close? Yeah. yeah, yeah, close, but not, not exactly. And she just wasn't seeing the, the pot because she didn't know what to look for. So in a way, this feels like, to me, watching Karen kind of struggle with some aspects of this remake, to me, it looks like this remake is actually aimed at people who played Link's Awakening before because well, they know I, where I think some of it's because maybe Link's Awakening was aimed at people who played Link to the past to some extent. I think, yeah. Um, yeah. With a certain amount of expectation that they would have done. Um, so I, I think it's kind of inherited that a little bit. And that's the thing. Right. I didn't play Leaks Awakening, you know, all the way back in the day. I only played it, you know, on Virtual Console for the first time. But you still have that that link to the past language, you know, that built into me from when I was you know, really quite a small child. So it's very difficult to put yourself into that headspace of like never having played a top-down Zelda and what the sort of the basics are. It's it's very much like Metroid games and like that sense of like, mm, the way this room is framed, there's almost certainly something like a bomb here. Right. You know, like it, it, things like that, you only really kind of learn through experience and, it, and how much of it was experience and how much of it was intuition is something you forget over the years when, you know, the, so many years between the first time you went through that formula and the end time. Hmm. Yeah, so right now like I'm I'm sometimes I'm watching her play and I, I have to strike the find the right balance between letting her make mistakes and kind of explore on her own and sometimes I'm just like, Oh yeah, this part is bullshit. Let me save you a few minutes and <laughs> tell you like go over there and get the, the honey before you actually go all the way to the east, you know. So stuff like that. So um but yeah, no, it's fun watching her play the game anyway. Like, I, I don't think she, she would have stuck with it on the, the Game Boy or the 3DS. And, uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's neat to experience, uh, the, the game through, um, her playing it. So I don't know. It's adorable. Like, I, I, I don't, I, I think I would still recommend this version for people who are new to, uh, Link's Awakening. Oh, I don't, I, I don't, like, having played both, uh, all three versions, really, I, no, to, to me, it's it's open and shut. Well, it's the, uh, yeah, it obviously. What do you mean? Like, which one? Yeah, if you leave in the price out of it, this version is just by far because of the, the, for me, yeah. because mm. I mean, I love the aesthetic and the music and all that's really nice, but it's, it's the items. So, we've talked about this before. Like, it, yeah. just, just reducing how much you're in the pause screen. Yeah, it's got other conveniences, like additional warp points and things like that. So. Oh yeah, yeah no, it, but 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 I am just kind of um, yeah surprised by how yeah some things are made a little bit tougher because of the extra 
definition. Yeah, well, I guess just because it's trying, it's, it ends up trying to be more natural, kind of organic, kind of look, rather like you said, that it's made out of like pre-assembled tiles. You know, like yeah. that. That what that gives them is the ability to be more subtle and have like extra details with the houses and all that. But in some cases, you know, it's going to make certain sort of like things, like how you can interact with them or whatever, less explicit as a result. Which yeah. it can be viewed, I think, as a good thing because it's like it, it, it makes everything less kind of binary. But on the other hand, there's going to be times where it might obscure something that, you know, the way the game was originally designed, they probably thought, well, you know, they're going to be able to tell, uh, you know. So it's you could question whether it's quite the right balance anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's what I've been up to. Cool. Excellent. Well, then it is time for us to wrap up new business with Greg. What have you been up to? Yeah, just chipping away at Pokemon, as uh, we talked about earlier. It's been a lot of the the, the, the playtime I've had this, this week. Um, also, I just want to mention quickly, because it went up today, the Super Mario Maker 2 update. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, a, a few sort of significant additions. Um, uh, I get the, the, the biggest one... Uh, for me, I think that might help me come back to the game uh, sort of multiple times uh, because it, it's a game I've enjoyed playing. I'm generally quite happy with it, but have not come back to it as much as I'd anticipated um, because uh, some of the you know, miserable online experiences we've kind of talked about in the past. Uh, but also just, I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe it's just because you have Super Mario Maker already existed the novelty's not the same i've not been as sort of sharp about coming back to check other people you know other people's levels on my feed or whatever but now they've added this ninja speed run mode um strange character very obscure uh mario enemy to kind of reference in a new mode i mainly remember ninjas from being in the end of bowser's castle in super mario world like that kind of out of nowhere i um, think i want to say they were in the the land games originally i i maybe two i forget it was one of the you know, you know doki doki panic or is it, aren't they from that or i forget yeah but the, the first oh, you're right. time no, I... you're right they are yes they they kind of off brand any you know and, and and but they showed up out of nowhere at the end of Mario World for some reason and uh, they're back out of nowhere. Um, but uh, <laughs> so like Nintendo kind of uploads a level um, that's specifically designed for speed running. And then, like, they give you a first run through where they explicitly sort of saying to you, "Look, don't speed run it yet. Learn the level and clear it." And then you can start your kind of speedrunning attempts. And then when you do start your speedrunning attempts, you get essentially ghosts, but they're all represented by ninjas. Um, so you might see them going off like on a completely different route through a level. Like this first one was uh, a snow level uh, in the new Super Mario Brothers uh, theme. And it was using the pokies uh, because they're new. And it was using Spike he's finally there i know we've been lobbying pounding every day to get him in there and 
It's finally paid uh, off. No, Much no, like no, Andy Dufresne no. getting that extra funding for the prison library in Shawshank <laughs> Redemption. It's uh, It's been six months as opposed to six years or whatever that was. But still, the effort was comparable. And Spike is here and he's throwing giant balls at you. Uh, but, I don't. I don't know who you're talking about. Never heard of him. This this level has a lot of verticality, so you could kind of see the ninji spread out among like the different, like some taking the high road, the low road, the middle, uh, and then like when you actually finish a run, it'll put you on a uh, on a kind of histogram of all the times that have been set. So how well you know Pikmin did this as well, didn't it? Pikmin three. Didn't that have like the histogram of like how, how long it took you to complete the game? Um, yeah, it in did. terms of days and things, it's, it's like that, but on a smaller right. scale. Also, like you know, other time trial things, Mario Kart, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so you could see how good it is in sort of relative terms, the time you've set, and uh, you could get for yeah you know, for clearing it or setting a certain time. I'm not sure you could get more of these cosmetic items because for some reason cosmetic items for your me is like the main reward system (laughs) in Mario Maker 2 even though me's a very sort of last generation or two generations ago even Um, but yeah it it, it just seems like a nice it was was a pretty cool little speedrun level seems like a, a nice little inducement to bring players back to the game to have a look and of course for creators, you've got more options now. Not just Spike, but also this whole Master Sword thing, where, you know, rather than just like the amiibo kind of costume of Link that we had in the original Mario Maker, that of course was stripped out with all the amiibo costumes. Um, now we have essentially playable Link as a power up. I mean, you've got a shield, you know, you could down thrust, like we've got a lot of trademark Link maneuvers that are very much out of the super mario brothers vocabulary are now available through this power-up and that'll be interesting to see people try to design levels around that um because uh on the one hand it's a very different skill set on the other hand it is still a power-up so people are going to need it you know so it's like right. you can't really build a level where it's like oh well, you take a hit and you lose this power-up now you you can't play the level anymore like so Interesting balance to see how people kind of work around that, but uh, I, uh, the creativity... Or, or they just don't and release bad love. Well, yeah, that's true, but you, you, could bet, uh, you could bet you'll see some really creative stuff out there, get it shared online, I don't doubt that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, one of the things that was really interesting is that this game had been sort of... There'd been kind of this recent current of conversation about how they haven't added content to mario maker 2 because they were of course comparing it to mario maker where nintendo was consistently adding things um so the timing is kind of interesting that like it all it all just shows up right as that that tenor started going not that i'm implying causation there Mm -hmm. so do not take it as such um but it does feel like more than a single uh like like in terms of an adding this feels beefier than what they were adding on an individual basis previously where they would add very small things really consistently but this feels more like okay here's the dump of stuff we're going to add to this game and we're done yeah Uh, it's true it it does kind of feel like something that could have been a little part of a nintendo direct or something it was enough of of a bunch of things being added and functionality that you know that it could have 
uh, been part of a presentation like that, but instead the first I saw of it was just a YouTube channel thing you know that that's how it was disseminated but uh, you know it it did it did seem like maybe it could have needed the uh you know picking up a bit again and uh, i'm happy to to go back to it and enjoy it a bit i just played some random online sort of multiplayer with it again mostly decent experiences but the threat is always there although i think there's more options now for kind of ending the pain than there were before, <laughs> uh, you know, just getting out of a level uh, if um, if it's just really obvious that it isn't happening, you know, <laughs> the the uh, the quality of the connection isn't good enough. So uh, I'll be I'll, I'll probably uh, try and keep it in mind uh, to to go back to every now and again. Although with me the inexorable pull of just playing more Smash Brothers is always weirdly irresistible um for some reason, i just can't help it um but uh, the other thing i'll just quickly bring up because it'll be sort of going live on the 12th you know so it'll be uh you know right about the time of recording next week uh is the nes and super nes updates for nintendo yes. switch online so that's another thing where it's kind of like oh you mm-hmm. know are they still updating that was like, yeah they are uh and here's the updates and it's especially cool to see the nes games coming because obviously they, they did the the bunch of super nintendo games early on you knew more of those were going to be coming eventually even though they kind of abandoned the your per month strip feed model but to see you know, Journey Silius and Crystalis coming for NES, I thought was really cool because you're talking about two of the games that for me were more two of the more prominent kind of omissions from Virtual Console the first time round because yeah. yeah they were games that had cool rep- uh, cool reputations but you know were not like exactly the most mainstream like giant hits that everybody played on nes um yeah you didn't really have any licensing kind of issues or whatever you know they seemed like great candidates come back on virtual console but they didn't and then of course crystalis came back with um the sak collection anniversary 40th anniversary collection yeah uh you know previously but now you know it'd be in a sort of standalone form and journey to Silius is kind of famously an aborted terminator licensed game made by sunsoft who did a lot of that sort of thing like like the Batman game they did that tied into the Burton movie uh, on NES that a lot of people liked. But you know something like that isn't coming back because of the license, whereas Journey to Silius, happily, in a way, didn't actually end up being a Terminator game. So it's, it's the kind of thing that has been able to come back from that point of view, but just hasn't. I think The only time I'd played it previously is their PSN had uh, a PS1 classics of the Sunsoft collections that were on the... Um, PS1. There were two mm-hmm. NES games or Famicom games per kind of disc. Um, and Journey to Silius was one of those. But the emulation on there wasn't great. And I think that that was more just on the original discs. You know, like they, they couldn't, the music wasn't accurately recreated, for instance, from NES. You know, it was early days for this sort of thing. Um, you know, mm. PlayStation's uh, emulated Famicoms or whatever. Um, so that wasn't the perfect way to play. And certainly, as is uh, you're consistent with his reputation, very difficult game. And so playthrough on PSP, I didn't ever really get that far. But uh, in this format, you know, I've enjoyed stuff like what was what was the 
What was that weird cop game I played? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh um. Right about, the, the, right about Project Doomsday. No. Yeah, it's, it's something Vice Project, Project Doom. Doom. Vice Project Doom. Vice Project Doom. That that was you know a, a treat to go randomly through. generated titles. Yeah, that that was a treat to go through, and this is exactly you know the the kind of thing you're hoping to still see. Uh, and then, of course, on the Super Nintendo side, you've got you know, so, some really cool stuff, uh, you know, the kind of more mainstream kind of things. You know, Star Fox 2 coming back again, uh, as it did on the Super uh, NES Mini, Super Punch-Out, uh, Kirby, um, it's called Fun Pack in Europe, but Superstar to normal people. <laughs> um, yeah, so, the, uh, and then in, in Japan, I think they've got Famicom War. Uh, instead of the ones that we're getting for the NES. yeah, they got Famicom Wars, and I want to say there was one other one they got. Yeah, different Sunsoft game, something very retro. I didn't, I didn't get a good look at it, but uh, no, that, that's cool. Looking forward to uh, to trying those out, and just hopefully the uh, yeah won't be too few and far between these sorts of updates. If it's not going to be obviously the the monthly thing that it was before. Yeah, I, I gotta say I, I didn't talk much about it, but I, I did play a little bit of like Yoshi's Island on the uh, uh, Super Nintendo Online, uh, whatever the full name is. I, I really enjoy the uh, rewind feature, mm. uh, even though like I'm, I think I could uh, play the game the way it's meant to be played, and you know, kind of go through the entire level again just because I'm missing one star or one little thing. Uh, but it's such a relief. You can just fix your mistakes by, by trying one little section over. Um, no, that, that's sort of trick. The, the, the way that game works. Yeah. It's, uh, if you're really kind of interested in getting a top score, I could see that as being a particular yeah. help. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's just <laughs> a nice feature to have. And like, I, I think it will help also for games that you've said are, are difficult, like Journey to Silius. Um, so it's probably, I don't know, like it's a, the, the, the service is limited by obviously the number of games that it has, but, um, I, I really enjoy, um, the, the Nintendo Online and Super Nintendo Online j- just for that. It's, it's better than, um, playing on the Super NES Mini or obviously the Virtual Console. Yeah, Super NES Mini was where the rewind thing debuted, right? Right. Like, it was uh, a little bit more cumbersome to use, though. So. Yeah, so it's it, it's it's kind of feels like the NES and Super NES Mini's kind of helped get yeah. us to this point with the mm-hmm. was it the Nintendo European Research Division yeah. or whatever it is, you know, like um so yeah, but even for those who didn't want the the cute little object and the preloaded games and all that, I think they kind of helped serve a, a purpose uh as we've gone along here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I- I'm excited to to get to actually play Star Fox too because I wasn't obviously I played that that ROM that leaked a while ago, um, but I certainly wasn't gonna buy the little plastic thing to get it. Yeah, um, me neither. I wasn't gonna do that. I I did. It is kind of fun that that game and um, Chrysalis, Chrysalis, Crystalis, um, were were these sort of games that were just like, oh, there's just no way to get them. They just never come out. And now they're in within the period of two years. Like, oh, they're just out. They're everywhere. Here you go. Mm-hmm. They're in, they're in many places now. Yeah, um, the, the 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 Konami like stuff like Contra Hardcore and Castlevania. Uh, 
bloodlines or whatever. Like that, that that's been the same way, hasn't it? Like they were sort of famous for being omitted, and then all of it's like, nah, they're everywhere. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. Uh, now we can all of a sudden make money off of this stuff. Hey, we should make money off of it. Okay. And now it's like you just you know everything is sold as a collection. Uh, it's just it's funny how you know I, uh, five years ago this stuff you you, you were just like I'm just never going to see this stuff, and now it's just like everywhere. Yeah, I, 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 I guess it goes back. Well, I mean, you can ex- sort of expand it to the larger media culture as a whole. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's the it's the Disney Plus thing where it's like, no, Disney only releases these things in a period because of oh, it's in the vault. You can't get this movie now. Yeah. Whereas, whereas, like, I have Disney Plus for free for a year, and I go in there, and it's just fucking everything. It's yeah. just fucking everything. It's like mm-hmm. this random, this random Disney Channel show that nobody remembers. That's been lost media for twenty years. Oh, here's all the episodes, just all of them. They're yeah. all here. Yep. It's like same oh, thing what? with with wrestling too. If you, I mean, I can watch the most obscure Raw episodes and the most obscure oh, yeah. like World Championship Wrestling stuff from like 1987. You, you there you go. Just go right you to can, it. You can watch like old National Wrestling Alliance stuff. Oh yeah. Like if you want to see what was happening in the Charlotte wrestling scene. In 1984, mm-hmm. well, old man Vince bought the rights to that yeah. for some reason, and they're. I kind of don't think we're there yet with Nintendo Online, but hopefully. No, 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 no we're not. We're not. But, but like that's that's you kind of what's it, been though, happening. Right? Yeah. That's, 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 mm. what, that's what I think. That's what people want, and it, it probably is is you know, more complex than you know get into this. But obviously, the the beauty of of Disney is just that they don't have any licensing problems because they bought them all. Already, right? Yeah, right. we yeah. we either made this or we bought this. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the problem with a lot of the the any the NES games that we grew up with is that uh, people aren't even sure if they own the rights or not because the, yeah, like, the, 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 or that the people preserve the game properly, or that it's, it's kind of like yeah. the early days of film where like, there's a goodness knows how many things were lost because it's like oh, like somebody's going to give a shit about this like it's some indefinite point in the future. Right, I- I, I, I made this to, news to, to put me, something on the screen while we sold air conditioning in a theater. Like, it existed literally just to have something to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I mean, and to Guillaume's point, I mean, John and I created created the characters uh, J&J Dream Factory, a division of Chemhealth Pharmaceuticals Better Living Through Chemicals, um, which is just this random New Jersey video game studio somewhere in the early 90s, or video game publishing house. Um, where they're just like, I mean, we, we created this whole bit where they're just licensing games that already exist from Japan and throwing some fucking thing on it to make it sellable here and walking away. But that happened in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And so you, We've all played had the like, Rambo games or Dragon Ball games without knowing. But, but it would be like the licensee would be just like a random guy. Oh, and don't It'd forget, like, in Japan, frank. because of the the bubble, you know, even that, that obviously had that on the sort of Western side, but on the Japan right. side, if you, kind of a few years earlier with the bubble economy and the, the, the bubble in the console industry, specifically in the mid-80s, every company and its mother decided to try its hand at entering oh, yeah. the, the business. And, and again, I mean, you know, so it's not like they, they treated it as like their core business or anything, even though in some cases it might have gone on to be a big deal for them. So it's it, the, the notion of like 
assiduous preservation and you know all the licenses being sort of very sort of thoroughly regimented or it didn't happen so it's very difficult to to get to the point that i think we'd like it to get to for those really early days but i think we all realize that it can be we we could get closer than we are now oh yeah Um, you know and, and that's where the subscription model thing i just feel like is you know, you want to see the things come out that that model kind of um might be helpful for getting people to play that you know if it just drops on a virtual console it's not good type of deal it's not people are just going to go eh you know that i've never heard of that uh, you know whatever not enough people are actually kind of enthusiastic about it specifically to make it a one-off purchase whereas you know in a subscription model you know maybe a bunch of people will try something like journey to Silius and get something out of it yeah i mean my my go-to here is do you remember that nec used to have a gaming division they don't but but we do i mean jvc right Oh God! Yeah. yeah, they they did. I mean, they what sure... what else did Vic Takai do? I'm sure it wasn't uh, just a video game publisher. I, I I always assumed Vic Takai was involved in crimes. Like honestly, <laughs> it had to be uh, Yakuza for sure. Like <laughs> bad things were happening in the Takai household. What but, did um, we say at the beginning of this show about well, slander? We, did, we didn't because it's gone. So oh, yeah, right. That that part is gone. <laughs> So yeah. this is a, sl- a pro slander zone as a consequence. Yeah, I mean, Victor Kai was a telecommunications company. So. Sure, why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, uh, tel- telecommunications. Yep. Right, Victor I can Kai. hear the air quotes here. Yeah. Vic- Victor Kai was founded on March 18th, 1977. As, <laughs> I like that it as, sounds like it's a dude's name, uh, but on, it's as, not. As, as Yaizu Cable Vision Company, a... <laughs> A cat TV service provider. The following year, in 1978, it adopted the name Vic Tokai, obviously to escape from the authorities. Mm. <laughs> Everybody within, knows what aliases are for. This is no different. Within a year, they already had to come up with yeah, an alias. They already had to skip true? town within a year. Shit, guys, we fucked this name up already. Mm-hmm. Oh, hold on, hold on, though. The Vic in Vic Tokai's name stood for Valuable Information and Communication. Oh, fuck you, Japan. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most Japan shit ever. Come on. Uh, all right. Well, we have some valuable information for you, which involves us ending this segment, which means you get to listen to about 10 seconds of music and recover. So on that, it's time for us to wrap up new business. Stay tuned and I don't know, listener mail? Probably. Everybody sound good with listener mail? Listener mail sounds good. Sure. <laughs> all right. Well, there we go. What an outro. We are back with listener mail. Um, this is going to be really confusing because we just recorded the intro for the new business we recorded before it. Non-synchronous recording. Um, you can send your emails to rfn at nintendoworldreport.com. rfn at nintendoworldreport.com. John, I'm going to have you say the email at the end to be ready. Uh, uh, okay. All right. Psych um, myself spe- up for that. Speaking of the emails, I haven't pasted them in the chat. There you go, gentlemen. Have your emails because John, you're on reading duty for the first email. All right, Bill writes, "Hello, voices in my car radio. Wondering what the consensus is on Nintendo Online as a paid service. I never have, and more than likely never will use it for online play. I have it simply for the NES and SNES games. Is there 
is currently no other legal way to play these on Switch. That being said, and it will never actually know the numbers, I'm sure I'm not the only one subscribed for this reason. Since its inception, the service has not gotten any better, despite it now being subscription-based. There is still no non-cellular chat and other quality of life features. The other two, the other, the other two services, being uh, I'm assuming Xbox Live and PSN, uh, implement. One has to wonder then why we should pay for this with the announcement that we may not get ROM dumps every month. While I would love to outright buy these classic games instead of rent, like like a traditional. VC, Virtual Console, I would much rather pay for a Virtual Console-only subscription service where I know all of my subscription costs would be going towards getting more games on the service. What do you guys think? If the option was there, would you pay for a VC-only subscription? Uh, I I kind of have to... I don't know. Can I even talk about this? Because I'm actually kind of... uh, What's the word? Um, Bogarting? Bogarting? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm basically uh, Greg is uh, sharing a family plan. I don't know. Can we say that? Is that yeah, is it illegal? Yeah, okay. Just, I look, mean, I, look, I is, is it I, legal? No. Yeah, it's I mean, is collusion illegal? I don't know. If you pers- con- Jesus, here. John. <laughs> <laughs> if you're content to have it out there that I, I am your sugar daddy, then uh, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> oh, Greg Leahy is my way. sugar daddy, <laughs> man. If only. Well, now, well we now have the, the episode if, title replacement oh, I needed. Oh, man. <laughs> if only I had a certain. Thanks, thing everyone. To create that soundbite. <laughs> fucking no! Fucking we're, no! We really need to invest in a soundboard. Um, where, where are those patron funds going anyway? We, we need to invest in a soundboard so we can put all this in it and then bury it somewhere. Oh uh, man! I, anyway, I, so I yeah, I'm not paying. So I, it's um, it's all free. Uh, there are ways apparently. Uh, maybe maybe. So I mean, I don't know. Like maybe sharing a subscription uh, family plan uh, should be the way that everyone does it. Like What's not free is your in. opinion, Guillaume. Your opinion has a price. Hmm. <laughs> it's an opportunity cost. Mean? You could have another opinion, but you have that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yes. That the opportunity cost of opinions is obviously uh, something we should deeply concern ourselves with. It's it's this destroying democracy is what he's doing. <laughs> uh, the. Uh, I, for me, I say, like, it is worth mentioning, especially still with family plans, but even the base plan, obviously, is relatively, compared to the two services that are referenced in the email, I guess it is lower cost. Um, but, you know, you could certainly argue about how it stacks up in a value sense, regardless, uh, you know, especially, you know, in the world of uh, Game Pass Ultimate now, you know, with your your free games and your big subscription catalog and on all that kind of stuff uh, that's going on. Um, you know, and, and I suppose the online play features are mentioned there with the voice chat and all that. Like, yeah, I, I'm sure, yeah, th- there's plenty of ways in which you could be left wanting, but yeah, I'm not a particularly apt person to answer this from the point of view that I very much, you know, even if I didn't have an interest in the retro games, which, as I'm sure if you've heard this show for any length of time, including, like, just before the break, you realise I do, but if you set that aside, even, I enjoyed, there are online games specific to Switch that I very much enjoy playing regularly, you know, um, I mean, probably not as much now, but a hell of a lot of use out of Splatoon 2, Rocket League, Smash, of course, like, I, you know, I, I want that. So, I'm gonna be. I'm not 
want to give anybody any ideas, but they'll probably be willing to pay more than I'm currently paying to have that facility because I get a lot out of it, especially you know with it being with Switch being portable. Um, but would I pay for it if it was just like a if they separated them out? Like and then say, okay, here's an online, uh, you know, online play subscription, and here's a retro games catalog subscription. You know, I probably would be willing to do that if the you know provided it all seemed to add up. Uh, you know, in terms of the selection of games, the cost, all that kind of thing. But of course, a lot of subscription. It seems like more and more subscriptions these days, like are sort of muddy in the waters and like bundling a bunch of different things in you know like amazon it's like well you can have it to watch you know to kind of um you know have your your cds or your your physical games or whatever your your physical books delivered or you can have it to watch prestige tv or premier league football as happened this week like what the hell are those things got to do with each other? But they're all in one right. subscription. Like, it, it, so I mean, you could argue about how relevant these two things are, but um, it's it's hardly the most disparate things that have been bundled together. Yeah, I mean, among among the services I get from Amazon are a number of things related to my career as a programmer, but also it lets them ship me the fucking Ace Attorney mangas I bought within seven hours of me ordering them. It's not. <laughs> It's they're just they just want me in the ecosystem. They don't care otherwise. Um, I I I think the the idea of a of the virtual console only subscription. I mean, considering this the subscription is fairly cheap. If you were to break it down into a monthly, um, a monthly price, it would be like what? Like even if you cut it in half, it'd be what less than a dollar a month. Because isn't it twenty five a year? Well, it's twenty. The, well, the intro was twenty a year, wasn't it? Twenty a year. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Twenty a year. Um. So yeah, you're already at less than two dollars a month. So it would be hard to make a cheaper price line, and it really even make any kind of sense from the standpoint of they have to pay the license holders for these games. Um, but I mean, the for me, you know, I bought one year of it, and then because of Prime, um, I have Twitch Prime again, a desperate. A disparate uh, feature, and because of Twitch Prime, they want me on the Twitch launcher, which has games that I get for free again. Um, and then they had a cross promo of this Nintendo service with this Twitch service that I get because I have this Amazon service that gave me another year of Nintendo Online for free. Yeah, so, but you kind of uh, think you're in a privileged position just by being American. <laughs> Because uh, I don't know, I, I don't think we get all that in Canada and Damn in Quebec. Right. We, uh, we might get even less in Quebec because of language laws and stuff like that. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean that 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 is a uh, you can call that a privileged position. I would say that's just largely a function of the fact that Amazon so, is is an American company. Sure. Yeah, um, I, I think that that's all pretty much works the same here too. Yeah, it. it but lo- but broadly speaking, like those. That that bundling the the online part is probably somewhat superfluous for in terms of their costs because you have to imagine they're paying something to those license holders and for two dollars a month total, like they're not extracting a ton of money from us individually for that. Um, is there is there room there? For, I, 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 there's probably there probably isn't there probably isn't money room there for 
for one that cuts the online fat. I, I mean, well, I think generally could, speaking, I get though maybe you just sell it purely as a yearly thing or something, <laughs> just just to yeah. avoid but, like, charging I, a paltry amount per month. Or <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and I, I, that's how I bought that twenty dollars is if you buy it yearly. I think it's more if you buy it individually. Yeah, there's, you there's, go month to month. It's like with codes online, you've got like three month increments, uh, you know, that kind of thing, leading up to the year and then a year family. Right. And what I would love more than anything is just the ability to to get more games like that's that's really what i want more than anything is i want more stuff on that service and yeah, yeah they they did go a little bit without putting stuff on there but then we just had the conversation coming into this about how they they have significant additions coming coming next week yep mm-hmm. uh, and so it, it does feel a little scattershot which because i'm paying for it i think rather than saying like i i want to get a cheaper thing that doesn't have it or that only has that i want them to give it to me consistently i think because they don't have a tier that is just for the games um they can get away with not necessarily putting new games out there because like oh that's just a perk of the online service so if we don't have any i mean you still have all the ones that you had before the perk just hasn't gotten better yeah um but uh, honestly the biggest the biggest bummer well i say this but the biggest bummer is, and I I laughed when John got to this part of the email, non-cellular based voice chat. Mm-hmm. Because I forget. I forget that the way that Nintendo wants you to do voice chat is an app on your phone. Assuming you have an Android or iOS device. Do all certain, the Nintendo's online games even have that? Like the Super Mario no! Brothers maker? Yeah, okay. So um, they even they have been inconsistent about their support of it. I want to say Smash got added, but I don't think it was there at launch. But I'm not 100% sure about that. Um, when, when I say I'm not 100% sure, I mean, I'm not 100% sure it got added. I know it wasn't there at launch, which feels like an omission, like a grand, giant omission. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely Mario's Maker's not there because Mario Maker wasn't meant to be able to play with your friends. <laughs> yep. That came later. You monsters. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, really table stakes at this point, or it should be. I mean... Yeah, I mean, but the real situation is when I think about it. So, John, you and I played um, Sea of Thieves, yeah. and we use, we use Skype. Yeah, a mic- yeah. A, mic- a different Microsoft-based product than the one they wanted us to use to talk. Well, you, <laughs> well, didn't, but- you didn't have an, an Xbox One compatible uh, uh, headset, right? That was why uh, we did that. No, I think we wanted to try to use the other thing that they have, the the dash or whatever it was called. Well, yeah, I mean, you you we tried to do it through party chat, but there was a reason why we couldn't do that. I I, th- I think the party chat was acting was it wasn't letting us join. So I have I have the mic that came with the Xbox. Mm-hmm. I think I think party chat was just consistently telling us like no, no, no no dice for you. Uh, but we've done that before. We played that game. And we still use Skype. Yeah. Uh, when we had when we were playing it with Seren that time, we used Skype. Yeah. Um, I think, I think voice chat's kind of weird because it's one of those things where, like, when I'm playing online, most of the time I don't want it on. Mm-hmm. Um, it really depends on what type of game you're playing. I mean, when I play, um, yeah, and, you know, and who you're playing with. Destiny Two, exactly. Like, I'll be playing with like people in my clan that I play with all the time, so it's just very commonplace to open right. up a party, open up party chat, and just join somebody's party, and. 
you know, you're in that party independent of whatever game you're playing. Right. Right. But if I'm playing, so. if I'm playing randos in a fighting game, I don't want yeah, voice chat on. Exactly. So I want voice chat somewhere else. Yep. Yeah, um, that's but, absolutely true. I find it irritating enough just looking at people rapidly crouching, non-crouching in Smash Brothers. Oh, that's, <laughs> I, yeah, I do not yeah. want to know what words come with that. Yeah. Uh, I just I just press the down button, the down taunt, over and over and over again. Yep. I see, that's um, the worst part of it. You're talking about a game that has built-in taunting, and you can't even be bothered to use it. You do the hi, stupid ducking, hi, unducking thing. Hi. Over and over again. <laughs> yeah. It makes it makes you like because I know they can't get around that. That's just gonna be there unless they want to mute the game. I control how much they hear Kirby say bye or hi, depending on what he's trying to say. It's hard to tell. Um Kirby's not conversational. Indeterminate um, Kirby noise. <laughs> yes. So there is a it's I want like I, I obviously we all want them to to make their voice chat not whatever the fuck their current voice chat is. I just, I mean, just uh, make it universal and part of the platform instead of this like per game sort of weird thing. Either it's yeah, because they've allowed exceptions, haven't they? In terms of yeah. your, your, oh, yeah. uh, your Fortnite's and your mm-hmm. Overwatch, like just just you know, plug a regular headset right into the the jack and on yep. the system, uh, and it'll work. Yeah, yeah, but those are. I mean, I'm assuming that both of those, the voice chat is handled by Epic and by Blizzard themselves. That's why those yeah. are the exceptions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, they are. But that, but yeah. the, that pr- proves that the tech is adaptable enough for it to work. Yeah, like, and it's, it's like been... really like, why not just say that? Like, why not just have that as the policy and like just stop bothering trying to do a half-ass voice chat? Just say, well, just if you want to do voice down... chat. The climb down as well from this idea. I, I always felt That's like it was just this, uh, this layer of obfuscation that they wanted to add. Like, you know, mm-hmm. don't blame us if your kids run into nefarious people online because they did it with their phone and they could have done something else with their phone anyway. Like, that's what it always felt like yeah. to me. Oh, God. Um, yeah. And, like, if you uh, want to do voice chat, you have to really, really work for it. It just seems like, you know, he said even their enthusiasm for that solution has waned and presumably driven by the, you know, the metrics that they're getting on how, how much people actually bother to use it any on the, on the end. So you just kind of feel like, isn't it time to admit defeat? <laughs> and, and so, you know, we, we had our reasons. We tried to make it work, but, you know, didn't catch on. Let's just, you know, start over with that. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're not there seemingly. Yeah, like in terms of my getting my value out of it, it's it's because I paid twenty dollars for what is now officially two years. It's hard for me to even contextualize. Am I getting my value? Yeah, <laughs> it's really cheap. It's so. like it's like I it's it's less a month than I spend on breakfast a day. So it's like, well, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I guess, I guess I'm like even when I just poke my nose into the online offerings, like yeah, it, I get. You know, I, would I pay? Here, here's a different question. If if they had a a offer that was more, not less, but more for dramatically more of the the NES and SNES libraries, um, like let's say all the stuff that they control is in there. 
It's just, mm-hmm. it's just there. It's just available. Um, and they try to to strike up licenses with with companies to get similar. So like the big the big players, and knowing that stuff may come and go, Netflix style, mm-hmm. like that stuff may leave. Um, versus now where it seems like once it's there, it's going to stay there, at least for the time being. Um, would you pay five dollars a month if I guaranteed you there were going to be at least a hundred games there? I don't know. Like, I don't know if the number of games would sway me. What would sway me? What, I, like, what I would pay, you know, 50, 60 bucks a year for or something maybe around there would be if they had lots of games. Like, if they had, like, the full NES, Super NES library, wh- whatever games you want there. But I would like something more. What I would like to see is, is have, like, original content from them. Like, you know, take a classic mm. game, you know, something like, like Iwata asks, except, like, have that as you know someone make a a you know documentary about some game because that's really the stuff that I think people really respond to from Nintendo are stories about the development of these games that they love that Nintendo I don't think does enough of they did that from with Iwata asks but that was clearly driven by Iwata himself that wasn't like a company policy they're very secretive about most of that stuff well, I mean, it was a lot of ask questions he already knows the answer to, as exactly. we were calling it at the time. Yeah, but people um, love that. And people, you know, you had people translating it. And, you know, there was like this fervor whenever one of those interviews was released. And that's the kind of stuff that I, I would, that I think is really valuable and would be valuable from a service like this. Well, and you, you run the risk um, that if they don't start doing that level of documentation, those people die. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, because. If you're talking about somebody who was mature making games in the early 80s, like, at a minimum, they're in their 50s right now. Yeah. But likely, they're probably in their 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that's when you start after, like, making sure their their thoughts are down on paper. Because, yeah. look, it's, it's kind of grim to say, like, in your 60s, you know, you're getting there. But, I mean. That's when people start dying. I yeah, mean, how like people that, start dying uh, in their forties, you know? Yeah, like it's it does start to it, the the pace of death starts to pick up, you know, yeah. when you get to your seventies. Yeah, people start to drop uh, off. So you know, getting that stuff on paper now or in video form now, but that would actually be really cool. Like actually put video like content together to go with the games as they're put on the service. I guess that, is what you're saying. Yes, that would some yeah something like that, like some tie in or just have you know like every. Every couple of weeks, come out with a new episode of, you know, Game Chronicles, and just pick, like, pick like obscure stuff where they would have to track games that you would never think about getting a documentary style treatment of. But I bet you those games would have the m- most interesting stories behind them. So you know? I've got I've got it for you, John, and and you guys can jump in if you think this has and this ha- would have enough appeal to work. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty easy to produce too. It's most most of the work is tracking the person down and editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get one or two people who were leads on a game, mm-hmm. um, or were around the leads. If the leads are no longer available, because of course, as we said, time always wins. It does. Uh, you you put them in an interview context, and unfortunately, Awada is no longer with us. Um, but this this feels like the perfect case for a a play and interview style, which I know they've done before with Shinya Arino. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Game Center CX fame. Yeah. Because that's basically the format he does already. 
this is this is a part. This is one of the segments in his show. And by the way, he constantly works with Nintendo. He still does. Mm-hmm. Still does videos with them. Oh yeah, the, the Nintendo's Japanese YouTube channel is is filled with uh, Rino stuff on a regular the, basis. The question would be: Does he have enough? Like he's semi well ish known amongst enthusiasts in North America and Europe. Is that enough? Like, does does he come through? Or would you? You'd probably have to dub him. You'd almost mm-hmm. certainly have to dub him. You mm-hmm. couldn't just use subtitles. Um. I, I, it's not like he wouldn't carry though. Like his personality works. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's not particularly intrinsically Japanese. I mean, his humor. His humor is a little bit, but yeah. I mean, I, I don't even think. Uh, to me, I don't even think it's a debate. I mean, there is so much Nintendo, uh, like the amount of Nintendo fanboy and fangirlism. I mean, that stuff would people would eat that up. Oh, oh yeah. That that audience in particular would would yeah. be amenable to. Because to me, that seems like, all right, they could produce it in Japan, where most of the people are anyway. Yeah. Uh, he's basically already doing this for his own show. Mm-hmm. He's been doing it for a decade, so he's good at it. Yeah. And he already works for Nintendo. Yeah. Done. Done. Or just take ones from his show that already exist. Yeah. Just, you know, and... And just put them in your in your service. Yeah. Now, now they, you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, they don't, they wouldn't necessarily own the rights to that stuff, but I mean... You could license it. Yeah, you could license it, throw it up there. And they probably don't own the rights to the character, but he shows up in their content all the time. Yeah. It's just there's a lot that they could do there that they could kind of just that seems easy. That seems like an easy win. Yeah, it would be a really easy win. I would pay four or five dollars a month for more games plus some video content to go and it wouldn't have to be that particular setup every time. You could do bigger larger larger format um uh retrospectives on stuff you could try to license content people who have already made retrospectives on certain games mm-hmm. um interviews that already exist of people especially people who aren't around anymore yeah um content that they've produced maybe maybe internal content they've produced that are like i'm sure there's internal retroactives on some games they produce that yeah. they could like seminars and stuff yeah but like you telling me you wouldn't you wouldn't want to see al numa do like yeah. like a 30-minute design seminar that he's probably given a million times to Nintendo interns? Yeah, or like, what if you had access to every Nintendo commercial ever? Oh, shit. That would be pretty cool. Awesome. You could just see, like, how they advertise this game in every country? Yes, that would be fantastic. Like, I would sit there and watch every single video, no matter what. Oh, that would be... I mean... That stuff's not all on YouTube, obviously, but... But having it all there, like, here's yeah. the game. Here's how you get... Having different versions of the game would be pretty cool as well, but I know that's going to run into licensing hell. Yeah. Like, if you could just say, like, this is what the game looked like when you played it um, on the Mattel NES versus mm-hmm. the UK NES. Yep. Here, here's the shitty 50 hertz experience, and here's the 50 hertz experience with the weird Mattel license well, on they kind of, Have fun. They kind of did that with the, um, the Contra... Collections like with the oh, with the pro protector sort of yeah. versions, like you could either oh, yeah. play it, you know, fifty hertz speed or sixty hertz speed. Oh wow! Yeah. But I mean, and, and obviously, you know, some of the stuff that um, Digital Eclipse does with the the, the contextualization yeah. sort of things that you're talking about, in terms of you know, SNK fortieth anniversary collection we mentioned earlier, as crystallized on it. You can, you know, there's only so many games there, but the additional materials covers 
every game that yeah. SNK kind oh, it's of released. Oh, so good too. Uh, you know, up you know, to pre, in the pre Neo Geo era, essentially. Um, you know, and, and contextualizes you know, the ones that are in the collection in that sort of chronology and you know the the way that their games kind of evolved over time and so it's something that i think there's quite robust features of that sort alongside the aladdin lion king little sort of duology I'm that sh- they just I'm did sure there are. yeah so you know i mean it is the sort of thing that yeah, I think that, uh, that that there is a demand for, and that some people are doing now, but is you know kind of underdeveloped at this point. You know, again, mm-hmm. just because well, of the youth of the medium and and you know how well preserved things were at the time and whatnot. I mean, Digital Eclipse ultimately, like that's their mission statement: is they want to bring that level of preservation and archiving. Of- yeah, he's, he's, he's set up the, the um, Frank Cifaldi set up the Video Game History Foundation, right? Yeah, yeah, and and like they, it's true they've gotten their hands on SNK, which is which is you know maybe not necessarily as appreciated here as it would be in Japan, um, but they've never gotten their hands on a Nintendo, mm-hmm. like. That's the and and I don't think Nintendo would need to rely on an external party to do it. They 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 certainly have the re- they sold eight hundred thousand switches in in the U.S. in a week. Mm-hmm. They've got the money to put together a team to do this themselves. Oh yeah, they have so much money. Um, and, and like but, it wouldn't have to. Nintendo had a lot of money in the Wii days. Remember when they were flush with cash and what they were yeah. giving us was uh, streaming hey, guess... Nintendo Week uh, every week? Guess what, Guillaume? <laughs> Nintendo had a lot of money during the Wii U days. They were still flush with cash. They just weren't making as much. Yeah, right. yeah they were always, I, they're, always, they're always yeah. flush with cash and sort of you know, liquid, non-cash assets. But they, you know, but... but they weren't charging you for Nintendo Week. I'm, I'm no, just saying, like the the like, it's it's nice to want things. It's nice to dream oh, about oh, like I well-produced know, know. documentaries about the the their games. But uh, what you're getting is Dark Gary, um, yeah, which, which I enjoy. <laughs> but I mean, like, you're, you're not going to take gone. this game. You're not going to take this dream away from me, Kim. <laughs> but but you know, I'm trying to come up with what I would pay but more for. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. also, and, and, yeah, but also just the fact that they have since Fucking those Dark days, Gary. since the the Dark Gary era, <laughs> as I see most people refer <laughs> to that time. That is, the Dark that is how we refer to it. They, yes. they, they have spoken, uh, you know, about trying to increase the kind of ways in which people kind of interact with their IP. Um, you know, and you might think this kind of stuff is only for, you know, the people who are the most kind of dedicated fans and all that. And obviously there's plenty of truth to that, but there's always, I think, an element of, you know, if you act like your history matters, impressionable people may well end up uh, you know, sort of going likewise. You know, it's it's. I it, mean, for me as a young person, you know, seeing all uh, to the extent that I could some of the old NFL film stuff about the Ice Bowl and you know the the Raiders mm. in the seventies and all that, the the Steel Curtain and all that. Like, it just makes the NFL seem important. Even mm-hmm. though, you know, it's just their stuff with a guy with a deep voice talking about, about stuff yeah. that happened decades ago. Like what that really says about how much more compelling today's game or the, the game in the early nineties was. You know, but, but it just, it just suggests that this gravity to things mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I think, um, 
might actually play a little bit more of a role, nothing necessarily enormous, but a little bit more of a role in kind of fully, um, for the lack of a better word, indoctrinating people into, you know, Nintendo fandom and, uh, you know, getting really kind of down in the weeds about the history and getting really enthusiastic about the whole thing. And, you know, th- those are the kinds of people that then stick with you for, for you know, decades rather than it just being a fleeting thing. Yeah, I don't think Nintendo's really ever, I mean, Nintendo's never historically done a good job of that because really they're not, they don't see themselves, I don't think they've ever really saw, like, viewed themselves as kind of custodians of video games. They're, I mean, they almost have this view of themselves as, yeah, you know, we're just kind of a toy company, we make games, and that's it, we just kind of do that and move on. Like, they don't, it's almost like they don't even, to a certain degree, they don't even necessarily see... Or view their importance in a historical context like well, other, a lot of the time, like other people to, view them. A lot of the time, they have to be kind of led to it, you know? Right, like, yeah. To, you go from a place of like, oh, yeah, we could just put NES games in Animal Crossing to, hmm, we could sell those as Game Boy Advance cartridges for the anniversary yeah. of the NES to Virtual Console to Switch Online today. You know, it's like they, they've always had to be kind of Brought to, you know, they're not necessarily looking at it, assuming that there's going to be this appetite for you know the uh, the history and the you know, the context behind all this Nintendo stuff. Um, yep. You know, whereas you know maybe some other companies might be more more sort of quick to take that kind of view. You know, maybe may, I guess it depends on your point of view. You could look at it as kind of self-important or self-absorbed to just assume people care about that kind of thing right or you could just look at it as being just being realistic and just say well you know if people been playing our properties for decades now it's perfectly reasonable to assume that there is going to be this level of interest in the origins of these things and, and and the context and whatnot yep but to guillaume's point we're all just made ourselves more excited for a thing we're not going to get which is sad probably probably not no but like i said we are living in a world where we're going to have nintendo theme parks and movies and you know like that they are uh, mobile games we already have like it's not quite as like a really narrow like kind of highly highly kind of controlled as it used to be so i don't know how many years it would take to get to a point where you kind of get to to what we're talking about but maybe the direction of travel is is such that it takes us somewhere in that area one day Hmm. in the meantime we'll have uh yeah uh roof tents and uh whatever it is yeah in the meantime (laughs) uh, meantime i've i've uh stop fucking mentioning dark gary I've secured ah. the rights to uh, to Nintendflix.com, so uh, you know people can uh, see various <laughs> streaming videos that I will post there. Um, we'll see where that goes. It's going to be a little bit experimental. Tom's going to post but... Tub Time if you pay extra. <laughs> <laughs> tub Time is a premium subscription on Nintendflix.com. Isn't hasn't Netflix already made the John Tub Time? Oh no, sorry, that was The Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> Locks are looking good, John. Locks are looking I'm, good. It's, I know, I know. It gets truer over time. <laughs> I, am in, I am intensely sad. The jawline as well. Beautiful. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. I've been working on it. Buy candle, <laughs> candlelight, Greg. Buy candlelight. <laughs> I have a deep sadness. 
<laughs> a deep and abiding uh, sadness. Hmm. Um, Good, now we're even. I did want to touch real quick, though, on the idea of, of like, we, we the premium service subscription model. That the, uh, Apparently, the implication here being this is the premium version. Um, I, I, I do wonder if, if when, I guess never is probably the answer, um, paying for the internet goes away. As long as consoles exist, I guess that's probably never going to happen. Um, that once, once, once it became clear to all parties that this, this meant money, this was the world we lived in, I suppose. Um, because every generation, one of the, one of the, the parties involved went and added a paid subscription. So, um, John, how many subscriptions do you have right now? Uh, well, I mean, do you mean this overall? Like well, it, wait for cons for console internet. Let's put it uh, that way. For consoles, um, I mean, I, I have subscriptions to all three. I mean, I have PSN, Xbox Live, and Nintendo Online. And you you have games with uh, you have the as I keep called. Um, yeah, I got X Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, and I just Game have, Pass. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. the thing is, uh, you feel like with the sort of success of subscription media outside of games and the other kind of full race that Xbox are making into, um, you know, with the, with having that kind of subscription plan really be targeted as like maybe a primary way to consume games rather than actually buying, you know, individual titles, um, you've got to feel like that's going to become a bigger and bigger part of the market over time i mean it might be very long before it that kind of culture change reaches nintendo but in terms of for consuming new releases subscriptions are going to get you know much much more prevalent uh as as uh we proceed into the next generation for the you know the ps5 and scarlet or whatever it'll end up being called you don't know that's going to be called ps5 they might call it something else then I call PS5. We call PS5. We call PS, PS. We can go ahead and trademark PS9 and just just to fuck with them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fuck you. Um, hey, that yeah. will actually be a space station next to a wormhole. Oh, okay. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Worm. At least I can throw myself into it. Um. Yeah. I mean, they're they're. I mean, this is what Amazon is testing, and this is like that. This is the subscription only based Stadia. Um, but it's not that really because you still have to buy the games, which yeah, you know yeah. Uh, so, I, uh, Google um, Google yeah. will stay on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, uh, Amazon has their own project camera, what it's called. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, we'll we'll see what the market will absorb here. Um, PS Now is the same deal. It's a subscription you buy, obviously, and you just get to stream games. Um. I'm I'm curious where where this ends up and and how all the players adapt to the Netflixization of gaming. Well, we know um, eventually these things, you know, it, it's just sort of norms form around them. You know, Nintendo right. already run into this with the whole Super Mario Run. You know, we're going to try and charge people an upfront fee for it, and it just kind of bounces off that market because. That sort of practice is foreign to it, basically, and you you wonder as time goes on, you know, how much you know this norm of you know, consuming content on a subscription basis from these sort of various menus that the providers have um, will you know in, in, just become 
the norm, really. Um, it's, it kind of feel like that's the direction we're going. But like I said, Nintendo will be the last bastion, you know, resisting oh, yeah. it to the absolutely. Or whatever. Uh, the 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 one thing that they have to their advantage um, is that you know the the first the first industry to really get disrupted by digital content delivery was music because it was so easy to just cut your CD up in MP3s and throw them out on Napster or whatever. Um, video came second, obviously, because of bandwidth largely, and then the ne- Netflix arrival, and Netflix sort of set the tempo for what a a video service would look like. Um, music really didn't settle until really after Netflix got going, and around your Spotify model. Um, and gaming right now is in complete disruption. You know, Sony Sony's product was all based on streaming, it kind of sucked, but like I got through Yakuza Five with it. Um, Microsoft's was like these are games that are Xbox One games or that have been made compatible, and you could just download them, and we just do a subscription check to see if you have it. Um, Stadia is trying something else entirely. Google's trying. I mean, um, Amazon's thing, which may or may not still be going because I think they shut down Lumberyard, um, is is going in its own direction. Steam as a storefront, a digital-only storefront, like they set the tone for that space, but now for subscription models, they don't really have a play there yet, which they probably need to get on if they haven't already. Um, there's no like clean, this is what's going to happen yet. Um, even if you look at what's in the mobile space, there's not a clean answer there. So to a certain degree, it's not settled, not buys Nintendo some time. But what's interesting is that the music setup, even though that sort of came after Netflix doesn't really resemble how subscription models work in Netflix. It's not like, I'm just going to scroll through these albums and pick the songs I want. It's more radio-oriented if I'm just going to like have these this playlist and it's just going to run through stuff. Um, so I'll, I'll be curious if um, what the, the end state for for games looks like, because it's it seems right now that nobody knows, and so everybody's kind of trying their own flavor of things. And by waiting on the sidelines, I wonder if Nintendo runs the risk of not being able to influence this ending up in a place that's most amenable to them. Well, I mean, they do they do have the content, right? Which is the most important thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, Disney Plus Disney Plus's interface sucks, but they have the content. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so that's the thing. And you know, they got how many how many million like ten million signups within twenty four hours or something like that. And that's because like they just yeah. had even even though all this time they did that silly vault stuff, like we're only gonna release this movie once every ten years. They did all that silly stuff. Still, it didn't matter because when they released Disney Plus, people were there day one with money with fist in hand. Or yeah, money money and no, money in fist. Fist in hand. Why not? Fist in hand, yeah. <laughs> Fist in hand is like in the movie where they're like cracking their knuckles to be intimidating. Fist in um, hand. No, no. People were ready to pay. So so you're actually not correct though, John. It's even more insane. They were there with money before the service launched. Yeah, it's crazy. They pre-ordered access to a digital service. Mm-hmm. Still has a lowest uh, degree. W- wasn't yeah. a lot of the um, sub- subscriptions kind of uh, trials though? Like, I mean, like aren't a lot of people... Uh, Kind of getting it free for like a week or a month or a year. Yeah, a lot of people are getting it free for as part of deals they have. With, I mean, that's why I have it. I, it's because of my mobile service. Yeah. Um, but it that to them that's fine because you still had to sign up, and I think they still got your credit card. So like, you better remember to cancel, boys. Yeah, I um, mean, for me, it's I mean, uh, not to really 
belabor Disney Plus, but I mean, I already had an ESPN Plus subscription, and you get that free with Disney Plus. So I was like, okay, so I'm gonna get the Disney stuff and Hulu and ESPN Plus, which I'm paying for anyways. Which like, is back to the bundling again. That's, that's yeah, it's yeah, a no-brainer for me, right? It sounds. It, uh, you feel like the way things are going with like this sort of web of of things that's that's kind of uh, forming around various subscriptions and incentives and all that. It's not really. Doesn't sound like that's what Bill would like from the email in terms of you know. No, well, I just that, I just that's... want to pay for what I want. Like, yeah, that's sadly uh, as as clean and logical and rational as that approach is. Doesn't feel Stop like that's that where we're going at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but that's that's ultimately what why Nintendo went to getting a subscription service, and that brings us back to the main subject of the email. They looked at what Sony and Microsoft were saying. People who gave us money for online services, the same people before and after, then went and invested in our ecosystem more thoroughly after that initial transaction. Yeah. So these these were people who owned Xboxes or owned PS4s or PS3s and didn't have the premiums or they had PSN Silver, which if you remember, PSN Silver still gave you online. That was all it gave you. Uh, was that, was we that made Xbox fun of John Live when he got gold. Sil- I remember the conversation. Xbox mm-hmm. Live was was silver, right? Silver, S- silver yeah. Xbox Live was silver. P- PlayStation was had two tiers. I can't remember what they were. Well, they, would, would they just introduce Plus? Plus, yes. that's it. Yeah, and then then Plus just became everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we. We made fun of John Ford at the time because it was like three games. We're like, John, that's stupid. Well, also because you- no, I think uh, for my part, I made fun of John because he, he already didn't play the games he had. He didn't need know, more I games know, that he I know, wasn't going to play. I know. We, we did. We, we, you're right. But but they, they rec- Nintendo looked at what their competitors were saying. Once you invest in the subscription, it's more easy for them to hit you to get more stuff. So a lot of this is probably like, Nintendo probably doesn't care how much money they make on the digital subscription part. I mean, it, it's it's a lot, obviously, um, but it's what they can get you to. Do I, see, I assume they were pressured by yeah, there's pressure from the investors and stuff as well on that kind of end, isn't it? Oh, there's certainly. A, is the the crowd that's like, why isn't this on mobile yet? Why you know when everybody else is doing it and all that? You know, been even if Nintendo doesn't necessarily see like a indiscriminate approach as being compatible with their overall strategy you know they, they they like to kind of at least do what they can that they think is compatible with their overall strategy to kind of blunt those sort of voices amongst the investors there will be more nintendo subscription services it is inevitable or whoever owns the rights to the the video content that gets produced with their license like you could have the web form that oh god we're gonna we're going to be cross product marketed to death Welcome to the 2020s, you gentlemen. Well, I mean, maybe you get, uh, you know, a free, uh, you know, to whatever, to Mario World or whatever, the theme park to Nintendo nope. World. Remember, the invest- the investors wanted that, and it wasn't in the cards. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. just wanted comps, all right? Is that too much to ask? Mm-hmm. <laughs> my bank invested a lot of not my money in your product. Why can't I go to the theme park for free? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I didn't read the investor questions. I need to go back and read them. Hopefully somebody asked about the breakfasts again or whatever it was that one time. <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. Um, all right. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. John, I'm going to quiz you. What's the email address for the show? Uh, it is Romeo 
Foxtrot, November at NintendoWorldReport.com. That is RFN at NintendoWorldReport.com. If somebody emails Romeo Foxtrot November and then says, you don't answer my email, I'm going to... By emailing us at the right email address, which they will, uh, you're in trouble. I'm not reading your email. I'm not going to do it. Um, but, as always, gentlemen, thank you for being here. Greg, mm. do we... <laughs> <laughs> did, you just, did you just grumble? Uh, uh, All right, Greg, what's our music? Get us out of here. I'll sure, try. but uh, sh- uh, should I do my plug first? Plugs, yes, Guillaume. Um, yeah, so uh, I was on uh, the Thirsty Mage again uh, on an episode again. that uh, you, James, were supposed to be on, but then uh, you, you couldn't. I which couldn't is, do it. Uh, yeah, which is sad because then we'd probably have someone defend the game. Uh, we... <laughs> Uh, we we talk about um, uh, the last story, which uh, was probably a pretty welcome game in 2012. And has uh, it aged well? No. Wait, I'm spoiling it. Anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, I played the last story in 2019, and so did uh, David, and so did Jordan. So we we talk about it. I think we make some good points, but yeah, you can you can. I feel like maybe this this uh, podcast was a little bit imbalanced um, <laughs> because I, I went back and I listened to uh, actually like old RFN episodes and uh, I think Johnny like uh, the last story was his favorite game of 2012 and uh, like uh, so in episode 322 and like 336 he goes back and talks about it more and he's just gushing about it and I really wish I had had that experience but. Um, yeah, I think we we still can make like some good points about the game, and we uh, uh, so yeah, come listen to my hot takes on uh, 2012's uh, the last story. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> hot takes on cold games. Can't be honest, yeah. the, the tepid. Hot over. takes on cold games could be a really good segment. Don't trademark that, John. Before the episode gets <laughs> <out>. All right. <laughs> So uh, yeah, so I, I I still think it's probably fun to listen to. It was fun to record. So. Uh, uh, yeah, check it out. I'm terrible at doing these plugs. Like last time that I was on the 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 Thirsty Mage, I was I found myself in the position of having to plug this podcast, and I was just like, uh, "We like Nintendo." No, to be fair, it's not a very enviable task, is it? It's it's really not. I have plugged this show before, as you probably already listened to it if you're here, but if you don't, I can't I mean, really make probably- a very compelling case for doing so. <laughs> My, it's this like, new podcast you, format where four guys talk about video games. Yeah. <laughs> you probably made spent the right far call. too long I, doing that with each other over a period of time, and it's mostly it's mostly in jokes, culture references. It's mostly about pleasing themselves. So yeah, if you think you've seen <laughs> the most irreverent Nintendo podcast? Let me let me tell you something. No, <laughs> give it time. We have something far more irreverent waiting for you here. But that will do it for this episode of Radio Free Nintendo. Um, we have been asked about our best of for the year and for the decade. We don't have an answer for that yet. We'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, we are really answer, answer, answer people. You know, a, hi- a history lesson will be needed for what actually happened in the last decade, I think. Yeah. I mean, what, what's Funnily enough, it was quite a while ago. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it will it will be recapped what what we actually did then and what we'll do for this one. So this well, means yeah. that I'll have to come up with a tub time game of the year and game of the decade. Is that yes. what we're talking about? Yes. Uh, is is Good the tub time as long as they're different games? 
Yeah, but that okay. I mean uh, your game of the and year. I, and I insist that it's year. referred to as game of the tub time decade. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> game of the tub time era. Oh man. <laughs> Oh yeah! Again, much the, like the, the dark, time, much was, like the last decade was the dark Gary decade. This is the top time, <laughs> the top time decade. Oh god! Oh. Uh, Some countries refer to their eras by monarchs. We refer to it by bad in jokes. Yep, I told you. I told you it was difficult there to sell this thing. All right, Greg. Music. Yes, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate has been out for a whole year. Uh... In fact, there's a spirit event that's starting in 20 minutes, I believe. <laughs> Shit, I gotta get back on the hunt! No, I, didn't, I don't think there's any new ones, though. It's okay. It's okay, oh, okay. to anybody who's, who's in that position. <laughs> stand like, down, stand down, James. Like, like we are, of getting every new one. I think it's just, like, extra bonus stuff and whatnot. It's not. Oh, okay. But, it, you know, it just, just reminded me that it has been a year. Ooh. I've spent an alarming amount of that ensuing year playing that game. Um, and it reminded me of a, an email we got shortly after it came out from Klexioshi, who talked about what um, our favourite arrangements in the soundtrack are for the game and offered a couple of his own, which weren't explicit um, ending music requests or anything, but I took them as suggestions. Um, and, of course, the soundtrack has grown considerably since uh, with the additions of you know, Persona, Dragon Quest, Banjo... Uh, and now, you know, all the SNK music you can shake an auditory stick at. Um, and, and whatever will come next, of course. We call it a baton, please. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a figurative one. Um, and so, yeah, the, I, I went back to collect Yoshi's suggestion. He, he, at that time, a year ago, roughly, um, his favorites were the F-Zero medley brought to us by Takanobu Mitsuyoshi, who is, Famous for the Daytona song that you almost certainly heard if you're of a certain <laughs> that you're age. you're all now hearing in your head. Uh, if a certain age and was ever exposed to arcade games. Um, and uh, the Lost Painting arrangement uh, for Castlevania. But uh, of the two, I kind of had to go with the F-Zero medley because I'd already used the original Lost Painting for when they announced they were going to do Castlevania music you know because cyber belmont and richter belmont were coming in before the game came out so yeah it's um i don't know it, it, it's a ridiculously massive soundtrack lots of fun stuff i still have to say my favorite would be the crocodile cacophony uh one which is the last boss theme from dkc2 it's just ridiculous amounts of fun the gangplank galleon is probably more famous so I guess that makes uh, Crocodile Cacophony the secret best DKC boss, last boss theme in sentences that are so dumb it makes you want to remove your face. Uh, it's, the in, it's the indie song of the DK <laughs> The Smash hipster Brothers. DK last boss choice is cr- Crocodile Cacophony, but um, there's been some great... The, uh, the, 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 the banjo stuff is wonderful. It's, it's great additions like the... Um, the seaside one, uh, whatever that is, but um, uh, it's it's just a fantastic arrangement of those songs, and it, uh, I imagine we'd be plucking stuff from this for ending music for many years to come, let alone one year. But for now, F Zero medley, as you expect, puts a whole bunch of classic F Zero songs together, but with 
Daytona-style vocals, which is—it's a ridiculous amount of fun. It's—it's so—it kind of the the big counterpoint to last week's placid, tranquil Pikmin music is now singing about sonic booms and being all up in your face (laughs) with F Zero stuff. Excellent. On that, it's time to go. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye. Bye. Bye.